Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. Let's Chat is a long-form conversational chat where I sit down with people from the world of punk rock, podcasting, and pop culture. Now, this intro might not sound wonderful. I'm recording it on my phone. My my microphone literally died after trying to record this intro like 10 times, and I gave up. Um, so I'll try to keep this brief. We have a wonderful, wonderful guest, John Andrew Myers. John is fucking awesome. You know, this dude does everything. Uh, so by day, he works at the art department on television shows such as Robot Chicken, Community, uh, a bunch of really cool shit. And then he also plays drums in Love Equals Death, uh, which is a Fat Rack Records band, which is fucking nuts. And then on top of all that, his passion project is Mere Mortals, the saga, which he is here to um, here to promote. And uh, you can check everything out from MereMortalsSaga.com. You'll get all the information. Uh, you can please purchase his books if you can in person at a bookstore or pick, you know, socially distance or whatever. Uh, or Amazon, you can find everything right there. Um, this is a fun episode. So we we had set up an interview. I had dropped the ball completely, and then the pandemic hit, and just one of those things I just completely dropped the ball, but felt really bad about. And uh, we go into it into the episode, kind of unpack it, and it was cool to be like we to see our different perceptions of how that went down and how we were both wrong. Uh, but it was really nice of John and very forgiving of him to um, connect and come back on the show after I completely blew him off months ago. And now it's turned into a friend. Like you know, we um, did the episode. We talked for like two hours. Like we never met. We ended up just talking for two hours. And I think one of us had to leave or else we probably would have talked for another seven hours. And then uh, we just kept emailing back and forth, which then, you know, as adult friendships are nowadays, it's like, well, just text me. And now uh, we're friends. It's fucking awesome. I, that's what I love about doing the show. It's all the new connections you make and, and, and the people that you just fr- you become friends with. Uh, so this is a really, really fun episode for me. Uh, thank you, Ash, again, for connecting me now with Pat Edwards and John Andrew Myers and some really cool people, I think, in the future coming up if I... Play my cards right, Ash, wink, wink. Um, anyway, we're going to make this a little bit of a longer intro. I uh, have some uh, some personal news. Uh, short story, a couple weeks ago, I had to go see, I had I saw my doctor, and I got the, something's wrong with you, we don't know what, we need to run some tests, we're going to pull you out of work. So I'm happy to report, this is after Christmas, The from as of right now, knock on wood, to the best we know, it looks like I have a vitamin D deficiency, so that between that and uh, 2020 and uh, burnout, for those who don't know, I work at a psychiatric hospital and it's been tough, but I have a great team uh, and I like the clients I work with a lot, so that's been really wonderful. But yeah, so I had to take some time out of work, so been feeling better and it's really, uh, that's been really great. So uh, back to the show though, um, this is our last episode of the year where I have to take a second to talk about all the cool shit 2020 brought the last chat. Um, started this year as just me, and now by the end of it, I'm happy to say that Let's Chat has actually turned into um, a, a media company that Bree Benjamin and I, my business partner, my friend, my... And then, oh God, this is also terrible. Um, so it's been a great year for Let's Chat. A uh, huge thank you to 2020. Um, huge thank you for Bree Benjamin, who came on and has went from my producer for Let's Chat with Chris Revels, turned into my business partner with Let's Chat Media, uh, and more importantly, my friend. Thank you to Chris Ball for all of your hard work with Let's Chat with Chris Revel and what uh, and launching Let's Chat Live. Let's Chat Live is our video chat show hosted by Bree and Ball and sometimes me. We rotate the host. That's Tuesdays, 8.30. It's EST on Facebook and YouTube. And then on top of that, 
Uh, uh, also, huge shout out to Mike Schwartz, who uh, was one of our producers we work with. Uh, he had to take a little step back, but he's coming back in the new year. Mike, can't wait. And uh, and, and be huge thanks to Will Forcer, who was uh, one of our producers as well, who had to step away, but we could not have gotten up to where we have at this point without you. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, and also, I was just uh, made a couple appearances online, which I don't get to do a lot of, so I was really excited. Uh, I was recently a guest on Let's Rewatch, which is uh, Ash's podcast I mentioned earlier, and Pat Edwards. We got to watch Air Force One. That was great. I uh, got to be a returning guest on the Broken Brain podcast with Dwight Hurst. We did a uh, recap of The Snowy Day, which is a really great animated Christmas series uh, Amazon did of the children's book. And most, uh, last but not least, huge thank you to Jay Vex, who runs the Facebook group New Jersey Pop Punk, nineteen ninety four to two thousand two. I got to be on a thing called Quar. I was interviewed for a thing called Quarantunes, where Jay puts together your favorite musicians from that era to play music from you know their home or wherever they are. And it's been tons of fun. I've gone to a ton of them. He's he broke up the format this year. He invited me on. He broke up the format a little bit, invited some non-musicians on, and myself being one of them to be interviewed. Uh, it was wonderful. And then I hung out afterwards online because I'm just I go to these things anyway. I love them. I ended up getting invited onto the call um, with Jay and the musicians afterwards, like the after party, and most notably a uh, past guest and friend of the show, Heath Serencino, who played Midtown and Census Fails on the call, and also Fred Mascherino, who played in Taking Back Sunday and plays in The Color Fred. And I lost, oh, and Mikey Erg, who plays on the Chris Gethard show in the Ergs. So I kind of lost my mind. I got to be on the screen, get to hang out with everyone online for like a while. Um, I had a huge, I got like 500 downloads extra, a huge bump from that. It was one of the coolest things. So maybe you saw that. That was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. It felt like going to a show again. So thank you, Jay Vex. We're going to get you on the show for hopefully for January. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Last Chat Revel, at Last Chat Podcast for all the things. And here's a 2021. We'll have a lot of really cool stuff to announce. So stay positive. This podcast is a proud affiliate of the Let's Chat Podcast Network. Find out how you can become a part of this team by going to letschatpodcast.net and click on the Let's Chat Affiliates tab. know where to start you're like such an anomaly to me like actually i'll start from the very beginning where, where are you from originally longmont colorado see okay so colorado and then yeah. eventually la yeah did some time in denver um broomfield technically and then yeah i did the la move when i was 22 and then i've been out here ever since yeah it, like when we were going through like all the stuff you worked on like you were so funny. You're like, well, I've kind of done this, 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 that, this, 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 that. Oh, I also played a <laughs> punk band, and my friends are Emmy winners, and uh, I work here, 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 and here, and do some really weird stuff. And uh, like, it's awful. Um, a journeyman, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, sh- yeah, that works. <laughs> I love that. And then, so then, your Emmy Immortals is like your your side hustle. 
Oh yeah, like th- that's that's definitely my baby. You know, uh, out of all the things, like that's the one. Like that's where my head's at. You know, oh, yeah. most of the time, and like, you know, all the other stuff. In a lot of ways, I feel was like stepping stones to get me to the point where I could actually do Mere Mortals. Uh, just this thing that I'd had in my head forever, and then it was like, okay, do I have the resources and the know-how now to like actually do it? So what's your um? I'm just so curious. So you're 22. You moved to LA. What's your first? Uh, what's your first like job? Like, did you set out for stop mo stop motion? No, not at all. Um, I definitely came out for features. Um, my my big hope was to write, you know, like blockbuster movies, like just massive action. That's my that's my favorite. And so nice. you know, had a bunch of scripts and had made some you know projects in Colorado, some features and shorts and things like that, and then came out here. And I was able to get on a set really quick because I had done some uh, set assistant work for people in Colorado. And then it turned out they were a crew from LA that had gone out to Colorado to shoot. So they were all from here and had a good time working with them. And then they were like, hey, come out to LA anytime. And I took them up on it. And it was just literally me and my best friend at the time, like loading up our cars and driving out. And then I think within like two days, I was on a set and it was actually, uh, it was Netflix's very first movie that they ever did. And it was called Touchback. And the director got it because he like made a short film and then won a contest. And that's how Netflix decided who would make their very first movie. But I've never actually seen it. So I don't, I don't know what it's like. Um, no, I, cause it, I don't think oh, I did either. Yeah, I, I don't ever remember them talking about it. You know, this was even before like Lily Hammer, if you remember that like original series that they did. Dude, I'm so I thought you were gonna be say House of Cards. I was like, but it was actually Lily Hammer because I yeah like I watched it because I loved Steve Van Zandt so much. It was pretty good. I liked it. It was because I'm a huge Sopranos fan, like oh, fanatic. Yeah. And my my wife is from Bloomfield, New Jersey, where they filmed the famous last scene. And so, and my mother-in-law is from Newark. So like, oddly enough, none of them watched it. Like she, like they, they were there when they were filming it. Like they, all that stuff. So like when we started dating, um, I had just finished it on DVD when we first started dating. So when I got, I was pretty obnoxious when I made her bring me to Holstein. It's like, <laughs> oh my, this is Tony, this is Satriani. Like I did like my version of a, a little Sopranos tour of North Jersey. Cause <laughs> Like, Ed Jr. lives in Belleville, and they lived in Belleville. Like, it's so much fun. But, yeah, um, we're not here to talk about my love of the Sopranos. You're much more interested. <laughs> I, I actually, I have not taken the time to watch the Sopranos yet. I am basically ashamed to say. I My, my brother has a, it, it's tough because for some people, if you have a hard time with older technology, because the way that show worked is, like, they filmed, like, season one in, like, 1999, but it doesn't air to 2000, and then the next season's, like, 2003. So, like, in the very first season, they're, like, hijacking a trunk for, uh, truck for DVD players. So you have to, like, kind of be okay. Like, it, I mean, it's very good, don't get me wrong. But, like, that first season is just going to be, like, a little bit older than, like, than you might expect. So for my brother, for some reason, that's, like, too much for him. But I huh. also get it. There's just, there's so many things on TV, you're just, like... Sometimes you just get to a point like I'm. I'm just never gonna see it, and I I, I respect oh, that sometimes. Yeah, there's too many good shows to watch, too many good movies to watch, too many good books to read, too many good albums to listen to. Yeah, and the worst part is I tend to personally listen to some of the bad stuff on purpose, or like watch bad stuff. I'm like I could watch like high art, but I really need. I don't know if I'd call it bad, but like. I'll just watch the same. I I mean this is so embarrassing. I recently by choice was rewatching Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, awesome. 
the Melissa Joan Hart one, which I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go out and say it's super underrated, but it's, uh, of all the things I should be watching, it shouldn't be Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm really of the mindset of that, like, if you like it and it's good to you, then it is good yeah. art, you know, kind of thing. Not like, not like creating these divisions where it's like, oh, I only like this kind of art. Like, I'm not into that. No. And have you ever noticed, too, like, the more niche the subculture is, the more asshole the fans are? Especially, <laughs> like, in music. I know you're a, a, a drummer as well. Yeah. But like, especially in, like, metal or, like... I come from like the scene, like be like I had like I, I will get an argument. I've stopped this part of my life because I've learned not to. But people like, example, will be like Taylor Swift is a piece of garbage. I only like anal cunt or like <laughs> Cannibal Corpse. I'm like, what? It's like it's pretty narrow view there, you know. Like, yeah, there's, like, there's a lot of good stuff out there. <laughs> I know T Swift A is fucking wonderful, and um, both of those bands are garbage. But still, <laughs> or like. I don't really like them very much. It's not my style of metal, but I, I respect people that do. Totally. Yeah, I, I really, that's the cool thing about it is that, you know, you can't judge anyone thinking, oh, they might like this band or they definitely don't like this. Because, like, you're always surprised by people. They always like, oh, I listen to this. And you're like, oh, really? I was not expecting that answer from you. But that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, there's, like, fans, I think, of stuff. And then there's, like, actual music fans, like people who just love music. Yeah. Like, and like it, you know, to one. match all of their moods too, you know, it's like, I don't just feel one emotion all the time or I'm yeah. just stuck in one mood. It's like, I need different things for all the different feelings. <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting. Like I, I definitely like as a scene kid and then, you know, like most people kind of listen to the same music for, for the like 10 straight years. And then recently been kind of trying to jump back into some relevance of what the kids are doing, if you will. So yeah. like, I've just been learning about like emo rap and stuff. And like, I have friends who shit on it. I was like, I don't know, I kind of really like it. And then... <laughs> Um, I'm like a hundred, I'm just in this, you're catching me on a phase where like the new Machine Gun Kelly album is like, I haven't felt this way about a, a record in, since I was a teenager. Cause it's somehow like new, it's a whole different genre of music I've never heard before, but yet so familiar with all like the pump pop, pop punk throwbacks. I don't know. I, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's incredible. And I've been cool. getting so much shit from my friends for it. I'm like, you know, you are turning yourself off to like a really beautiful piece of art that we would have loved if we were 18 right now that our parents yeah. would have shit on. Totally. No, yeah, it's, it's amazing the walls that we put up. Like, and I've done it too, you know, like oh, being yeah. surprised about stuff later on in life. And then I'm like, why didn't I give this a chance early yes. on? You know? I, yeah. I've done that with um, Star Wars, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I just oh, like, yeah. if I, I get like a fan base I don't feel comfortable with, I can just be like... <laughs> You know, maybe that's what a lot of it is, though, is that, like, it's not, like, the product, but you see the fan base, and you're mm-hmm. like, man, I don't know if I want to step in that club. And D&D people are really nice. It was actually more my own personal issues of being like, I'm just afraid I'm not smart enough to play it, and some people are, di- like, it, I always just assumed everyone was comic book man from The Simpsons. Right, yeah. You get stuck in those things, and then you meet them, you're like, oh, this is not what I was expecting. No, I, all the D&D people I've ever met in my life are nothing but nice, and... Also, like go getters, like they, they all seem to be doing really well in their in their lives. You know, like I've never yeah. met someone with D and D that I'm like worried about them, you know, or anything. They're always really solid people. <laughs> yeah, that was always the joke, right? They just sit in their mom's basement. You mean, oh, you mean Vin Diesel and the Russo brothers? Yeah, seriously, all these like all the most successful people are all like, yeah, I I definitely get down with D and D. I the weird thing with D and D is 
everything about me says I should be a huge D and D fan. Same. Like just just everything about the way I grew up and the, who I am, everything about it says I should be into it. And I I didn't get into it growing up, and I've gone to so many sessions with friends, you know, kind of in the late twenties, early thirties, and I still can't fully get into it, and I don't know why, because I kind of want to. Me too. But it's just something, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you know um, Pat Edwards. I met him through Ash. He introduced us. Um, but he does like a stream on Geekly Inc. And he like invited me. And I was like, you're the only person I'm like, I will finally do this. I will finally play for the first time in my entire life. I've never played. But I'm like, I finally feel right. I'm 36. I'm finally ready to finally try it. And <laughs> I need you to hold my hand. But I'm really, I'm really scared. No, you do kind of need someone there to like, yeah, it's sort of daunting in a way. Like, and like making your character and it, it's just like a few TV shows I love. Um, one of which you've worked on, but like you know, Freaks and Geeks did one, iZombie did one, and then uh, famously Community. And like, right. and, and all those made me like, I really want to play this. Yeah, everything about the idea of DMD, I'm so for. And I've looked through tons of the books, just the art alone. And like, I, I'm really into you know, just, just gaming. I like board games, tabletop, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so everything says I should be into it. And I just, maybe I'm, it's just something hasn't hit yet. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for something. I don't know. It's strange to me too, because like you're, you're a writer as well. Of all of like the other, the, the journeyman stuff we'll talk about, like you're like a, a passionate, like a secret writer essentially, or like that's the thing that you do for fun essentially. No, secret writer is totally accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, besides being like a super talented claymation, like, oh my God, me and Ball and uh, my producer Bree, we were all like going on our Discord about that. We were watching your robot chicken stuff. And actually, oh, yeah. I found myself watching your Hot Wheels video like 25 times over. Cool. Me too. And over. And like, what the fuck? This is so cool. Oh, speaking of community, they did another stop motion episode too. They did another one? I mean, not another one. They, they did the, the Troy and Abed one. Oh, yeah. Was that. First season, the Christmas episode? Is that one or two? Season two, one or two? Yeah, one of those One or seasons. two. Oh, yeah. I oh. One of the treats when I was getting into Stop Mo was getting to meet people that worked on, you know, that or like Celebrity Deathmatch or some of these greats oh. that we grew up with. Celebrity yeah. Death. Nobody remembers that. I mean, I'm sure they, more people should talk about that. What a weird concept. How do you imagine that pitch went? I don't know. I guess it was just a different time. Cause, I, yeah. take, I think people like kind of like we wanted to... Yeah, you're you're totally right because like it was violent and gruesome. <laughs> yeah, I loved that show. I mean, obsessed. I I didn't have like MT like MTV was blocked at our house, so I could never watch MTV. But I would always find the VHSs, mm-hmm. and I had gotten one, and I would like hide it in my room because I wasn't supposed to have that. You know, hence the MTV blocking thing. And uh, I would just watch the same tape over and over again. It was the one I, th- I can't remember who they were fighting, but it was the Beastie Boys. Versus somebody else at the end. So it was like a, you know, a three-on-three fight. I can't remember what it was, but I watched that tape a lot. <laughs> Who was the referee? Remember it was like the bald guy? I don't know if he was famous or not, or if it was a character what? for the show. And they had the two announcers. Dude, I'm like right. having like a flashback to this show, because I remember they would also take celebrities that would have like public beefs. Yeah. It was, do you remember the episode with the Seinfeld cast? And it was at that time when Jerry was ending the show... And right. they were like famously like, um, you know, they were offering so much money and they're like, no, we're ending it. And it was a Seinfeld cast just like ripped into Jerry and they just literally tear him and murder him. Oh, that's right. I was like, it what was, was the twist in that one? Fantastic. 
Man, and, I want to go back and rewatch that show. Now. Yeah, should we start a side? That's gonna be like a side podcast, celebrity sure. death rewatch. Can I I'm be on for it? it? I haven't even thought of this until right now. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so cool. Like, it's funny what sticks in your head because I mean, I'm a I'm a huge slow mo fan, um, stop mo fan too. But I'm always just in awe of how they do it. But like, so how? What was your you know working on that movie that we both forgot that I already forgot the name? Of? <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and they kept changing the title too. Like it was, it was Touchback, and then it was the Wheeler Boys, and then I think they changed it a third time because you know I, I was just like a set PA on that one. But you would get some emails every now and then saying like, "Hey, so we're gonna try to have a premiere this date." Oh, and by the way, the movie's called this now. You know, like that kind of happened for like six to nine months. Um, but a lot of times after you work on something, you just kind of have to get onto the next thing, and you don't really remember. You kind of forget to go look into it, the thing that you worked on. <laughs> I guess that makes sense too, right? Because you just, I don't know. It, your jobs are different. Like my job, I'm a, I've been in the same place for five years, but like your job, it's like you got to get a job and then you're like, all right, summer camp and then you go home and then sometimes totally. you touch, sometimes you don't. Yep. And sometimes you have some dry spells in between and like, yeah, it's, and even when you're on the job, like you need to be thinking about the next one because some of them, you know, can last like six to nine months, which is great, but a lot of them only last, you know, weeks to a month at a time. Oh, Yeah. And so what was, so you were a set PA on that, so you were just like PAing around town for a while? Totally. Uh, I, I just tried to say yes to everything I could, um, and I ended up working on, you know, like some AT&T uh, commercials and music videos and things like that. Like I was on the um, uh, LMFAO's Party Rock Anthem video. I worked on that one. That was fun. What did you do for that? I, I, I was just like a wrangler. I think I was on set wrangling the dancers. Yeah. What are the... One of the dancers, one of the actors in iZombie was in that video before he was famous or before he was on iZombie. It'd be like a throwback, Malcolm something. And he'll, it was like one of those things that they all pick on, on Twitter for it. Those like featured dancers when they were doing the circle? I think so. What What was yeah. that? What year did that song come off? Oh gosh, I don't know. Something, something, tonight. Um, was that the era of like 303 was really popular? 13? I feel like it was just after 303. Yeah. I remember 303 was really a thing when I was still in Colorado. Um, oh, yeah, so that's right. That would have been like 2008, 2009 maybe? 2009 maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. That was like a big deal. I mean, my phone number, number is a 303. 303. Because yeah. like, <laughs> I, I saw them at Warp Tour that year. I remember seeing them. And you were just like, you're not going to be here next year, but good fucking <laughs> You just got that feeling. I don't mean that meanly either. I'm, I have a lot of musician friends, and so I, I totally get it. You got to ride the wave when you get it. Because I was such totally. an idiot thing when I was like young, like sellouts and all that. I was like, as I said that, without ever paying a bill in my entire life or living at my parents' house for free, right. driving their car with their gas and yep. uh, being very privileged, uh, very fortunate to grow up that way and then be like, oh, I was an idiot. And then life happens, and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You should not turn down that money. You should take it. <laughs> right. You need to eat and pay your rent. Yeah, take that money and run really fucking far with it, and let me get some of it. Yeah. My brother always uses the example. He's like, you know, even Mozart had to, like, you know, schmooze with czars to, like, get his money so that he could do his, his pieces, you know. Like, you, you got to do true. I know. That's like, starving artist is, you know, I guess there's a nobility to it, but you can only starve so long until you're unable to make the art anymore. Yeah, there's only one, like, Fugazi, and then outside of that, it's like... Right. They're, like, the exception to the rule, I guess. And, <laughs> right. like, and they never get credit for being such, like, surprisingly sound businessmen. Like, I don't have yeah. that skill set. <laughs> like, that's uh, different than the music. Like, I don't know how to run the books. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, yeah, I'm, I'm a mess cool. with that stuff. 
I pay someone else. Like, you just figure this out. <laughs> totally. That's, that's the dream to be able to pay someone else for it. I know. Oh, I, I don't want wealth. I don't want to be, like, wealthy out of my dreams. I just want to have enough money to pay people to do the shit I don't want to do, which is, it's I know, that sounds 100%. really bad. Cleaning. No, I'm with you. Yeah. It's fun to, like, hire a person to clean the house for me and do my dishes and shop. and <laughs> just basically Wally. I just want to sit in a chair all day. And eat Get a Wally, right. Yeah. I mean, the robots, like, they could be here super fast if we really went for the whole robot thing. I know. Sometimes I think we're so close, but then sometimes I try to use my Alexa, and I'm like, hmm, maybe we're not. <laughs> right. Maybe we're not as far as we think we are. Yeah, you, you see a robot. It's like, oh, look, it stood up. But then, like, you know, you can tell they cut the tape right before it fell over trying to take a step or something. Yeah, yeah so I'm like, yeah, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're not there yet, but... So anything notable else besides the LMFAO that you're working on this time? You're just like kind of young 20s throughout La La Land? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I, I genuinely don't remember a lot of it. It was it was pretty crazy. Um, I ended up at American Horror Story. And then that was kind of when I started my transition from doing set assistant stuff to where I was in the office. And for that one, I was an office PA. Um, and then that's when I kind of got into like, you know, the actual network shows and then got to be on lots. Like, I think that was on Paramount, which, yeah, that was on Paramount, which was a lot of fun. And then from American Horror Story, I got on this show called Happy Endings. And oh, that's supposed to be really good. Months. You know, again, I, I really haven't seen a whole lot of it, unfortunately. I wish I could say I had. But then soon after that was when I got on Community and I have seen Community. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we're gonna have to pause there for a minute. Right. Um, yeah. So, what what seasons of Community are you on? Just number six. I had applied oh, so for the number Yahoo five. Years. Yeah, just for the Yahoo year, um, and then I wasn't able to do it uh, for the fifth year. So then I was able to do it for the sixth season, um, and that was yeah. It was like you know, brand new lot for them, new stages, new everything, uh, just for that one season. It must have been really exciting to be on the precipice of something new like that. Like in such a were you a fan of the show prior to working on it? I wasn't, actually. I, I had watched all of the episodes uh, that were directed by the Russo brothers because I'm such a, a Marvel fan. And in a lot of ways, you know, I was, uh, you know, kind of trying to professionally, like, get in the same lane as people that I was hoping to work with eventually, you know? Because um, that was when, yeah, I mean, that was right when they had gotten, uh, or had they just finished Winter Soldier? And then oh, they were going to direct some episodes for season six of Community. And I was like, oh, yeah, that might be a good way to you know, meet them and get in with that crew. And then they ended up not doing it because they got Civil War like right as we were prepping for season six. So then they ended up not directing any of that season. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, right. I think they made a sound choice. Civil War is just great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Even I think at the time I kind of maybe poo-pooed on it a little bit. But now after since they finished this phase... And they kind of do some of course corrections. Like, it's made me like everything that I didn't like more. But, right. Yeah. I've, 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 I, yeah. I mean, Winter Soldier is... Winter Soldier is like a movie that, like, you could show to a outside Marvel MCU. Like, my parents could watch it with no context, and it would just be... It's, they would love it. They would be like, this is great. Totally. And don't even know. It's, it's like just a World War... Like a spy thriller, almost. Like, they would love it. Yeah. It's just solid, top to bottom. It's part. I mean, oh my god, that Gary Shandling is in it. Yeah, like that's all I ever need. Like, oh my god, he was in a bunch of them too. They got him in at least like three movies, right? It's kind of crazy how many people from Community 
from like everyone, like from the writing staff to like everyone has gone on to do something pretty fucking incredible. It's not just Donald. Actually, every at the start of that show, it was like, oh my god, Chevy Chase, and now I'd say everyone from that show has like exceeded him. Yeah, um, because he's kind of showed his colors for the last time. It sounded like on that show. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and that you know, and for the season I was on, we didn't have Chevy Chase, which was you know a mild relief. But then yeah, we didn't have Donald Glover, which was kind of a bummer. Oh, you didn't get to meet him, right? So yeah. You didn't get to meet Donald. Oh, so what, um, on Community, what were, you, what were you working on? What was your positions throughout the Community world? I started that one in the office again, and that was kind of when I was really trying to get into like television uh, writer's rooms and things like that, trying to get like a, a writer's assistant work. And I started there and then did a few weeks as the writer's assistant on that show when their writer's assistant, I think he was on vacation for a little bit. But then an opportunity in the art department actually ended up coming up that was more permanent. And I took that. So then I was in the set decorations slash props department for the rest of the season. And like that's a show too, like anything. But like that's a show where like every little prop and poster and... I mean, like, we literally have, you know, um, the Annie, I, I can go pretty deep on community, but, like, some of the past episodes of, like, you know, Abed giving the delivery in the background or uh, they'd be in, like, Annie's boobs. So that's fucking cool. So did you have any experience in props or is this how, like, or is it just like, hey, you're here, you're a body? Well, I had done a lot of um, artwork for productions, like a lot of independent productions I had done some artwork for. Um, the first short I made when I was 18 is a, it's a five minute black and white, uh, no dialogue short about a toilet that commits suicide. <laughs> and I made this suit for my friend who was the actor playing the toilet. And so that was kind of the beginning of like, quote unquote, fabrication for me. Mm. And I had, you know, always been helping people because what was so fun about, you know, the first like five or six years kind of being out here was meeting all the other young people making short films and things. And it was always kind of, you know, who can do what? What can, you know, who can offer what to these productions? And so, yeah, I had been making, you know, um, posters or little props for people in the sketch group that I was in, you know, just little projects like that for a long time. So when I started working on shows like an American Horror Story and um, Happy Endings and those, uh, I always kind of ended up gravitating towards the art department and helping mm. them out a little bit and always just got along with them, you know, always kind of like minded. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was kind of a natural fit for me. Uh, and I had done a little bit of it. So. That's fucking nuts. And you said, you st are you allowed, we can cut it out if we need to, but you still have the paintball gun that Winger has? Yeah, I I don't think I'm not allowed to have it. I, I mean, you know, they gave it to me at the end, so that was a yeah, lot of fun. Well, that company, Yahoo Screen is gone too, right? After it was, they did what, Community and like a space show and then just stopped. Yeah, it, it, that's, it was such a bummer because, you know, it was supposed to be this revolutionary thing and we could not get people to watch it. I think now it has a big audience because they finally put it with all the rest of the seasons on streaming. Yes. But that one season, yeah. it was hard to get people to watch it. And I was a community, like, fan. Like, I was all, I was part of the, I was, like, part of the campaign to keep it on, like, online. Like, I was, um, there's, there's actually, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but there's a really amazing community uh, podcasts i guess you call it like a scene like right when it came to netflix a ton of them all popped up and then like joe uh, all the cast and stuff like goes on them and like they do videos like it's all the writers like there's like it's like uh, someone like i made friends with um uh, my buddy alex who does uh six seasons in a podcast but like he's had like Danny <laughs> and like joe McHale and like cool. he's like friends with ken jong it's it's so cool to see like the community fan base is 
so different. And for that example, is I love community, and I had a hard time finding it at that time. Yeah, I. It you were not the only on person Yahoo. I talked to that said that. I couldn't watch it on my TV for some reason. I had to like stream it. I don't remember. It's something that sounds so first world, but you know how it is. Like the sometimes when you have to put one little step in the in the way of something, like all right, not happening. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing how quickly things can get derailed. I know, I know exactly quickly. It was like, oh, I have all this technology. Oh, I have to get up to get my phone. I mean, I literally didn't watch um, a friend of mine, like something that a friend of mine made on Amazon Prime for like months because I just didn't know. I just didn't feel like resetting my password. Yeah, same. I've done things like that. I'm like, I'll get around to it. I know you worked like years and a lot of work on this, but like I just, every time I think to go watch it and I have to reset, I just go, ugh. <laughs> Yeah. So it must feel good nice now to see kind of like uh, your your work in, uh, or the work of community and the stuff that you put your like heart and soul into for that season finally getting its fair share. Because season six really good. It is really good. I, I was really excited when I saw that they finally got it added with the rest of them because it is such a wonderful arc and they're still waiting on the movie, which, you know, might happen. Yeah, I think now you said, I think the cast would all do it, but I don't know if, yeah. uh, I don't know if you can, but you know, I, I just, I disagree with that after especially talking to Ash and all the young creatives out there. I'm like, yeah, it's, they'll find a way like the, yeah. the way Ash was explaining to me how they did it. And it wasn't like just a bunch of webcams was like, nice. I remember like a few months into, um, into the pandemic, I forgot. Oh, I, I do remember exactly. I remember being really at first. I gave like a. I remember when the pandemic you know started and like Tonight Show and all that stuff like turned to like YouTube essentially at a level playing field, and it was Com- San Diego Comic Con was doing a Bob's Burgers panel that I was super excited for because I fucking love Bob's Burgers, and it was literally a Zoom call, with everyone had shitty internet and poor lighting. It was it looked it just looked fucking like garbage, and I was getting so pissed that like these multi billion dollar corporations wouldn't spend like two hundred fucking dollars. To like to make something, and I like went on a Twitter rant talking like Laugh Stash TV and all these other YouTube channels have been making higher quality art on YouTube for no money for like ten fucking years, and like it was so weird. Like they were like, I don't understand. Like even the Tonight Show was like, I don't like this trend. Even you still see it now, but it's like there's this weird trend with celebrities where it's like they have really bad Wi-Fi, they're in the worst room of their house, and everything looks like shit. And like, why? Like I have an iPhone. So, like, I don't know what my rant is other than I'm really still mad about that. <laughs> no, yeah, like, it's amazing how behind a lot of the, the quote-unquote professionals are in those things. It's, it's been crazy kind of being around the transition, uh, you know, into this kind of new media landscape that we have. Because, you know, a lot of the people that work on movies have been working on it for so many decades, you know, and they kind of have a way that they do things, but there's all this new technology. And, you know, if it doesn't have like kind of a clever nickname that is from like 1920 or something, you know, they don't want it like around the production. They, they kind of want the productions like to be run the exact same way as they always have been. And it's like, you know, you can have like smaller, cheaper lights that are just as effective, you know, smaller, cheaper cameras, just the uh, adapting is kind of happening a little slow. Yeah, like talking to Ash the way they did it, it wasn't. She was like, and we did this and that, and cameras, we use natural light. And then, like, and I've seen stuff like, I think, I didn't get to, I heard Mythic Quest did a really good one as well. I haven't watched that. But, and then, well, Parks and Rec did a good job, I thought. They did, like, they made the quarantine. But it's kind of interesting to see all these years of, like, YouTube 
and YouTubers kind of get being the butt of the joke of the industry, mm-hmm. and even podcasters, but more YouTubers. And now it's kind of like, well, those are the people you're going to need to draw on because Ash Blodgett knows how to make a movie in quarantine without risking a single life. And totally, like, it's going to look amazing. And Jimmy Fallon, no, I was just flipping through like James Corden, and it was like it was great. But then it, when it went to the interview, it was literally just a Zoom call with, and it looked like shit. I was like, what? What? I don't know. I don't like. It's this thing with like celebrities where they just like they don't want us to know they're all super rich. I'm like, I don't know. It pisses me off. Yeah, uh, same. <laughs> I'm like, you have a nice house, Justin Timberlake. It's okay. Get out of your laundry room and give me some clear internet and whatever. Yeah, but, like, I mean, it's like it's fine if you have that big place, but just like don't complain about it to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when you go on the Tonight Show, fucking put a shirt on and that's <laughs> right. nice. Like you know, like. It should still be a privilege that you get to go on. It should not be Jimmy Fallon on a goddamn iPhone. It shouldn't right. be on TV. But it's like you're saying, you know, you worked with all these independent filmmakers when you're earlier on, too. It's just like some of the quality of work that you all put out is incredible. And then now you see like these behemoths of industry and be like, I don't know how to use an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, and the YouTubers are such good problem solvers. Yeah. yeah, especially think... Ash. Like Ash is is a very good example of that. Like there's there's nothing that she can't figure out the solution to. Yeah, oh my god. And I was even thinking like I remember, and I remember being really turned off by early YouTubers because I didn't like the really fast cut sequences. Like that like style of YouTube and like that's yeah, for younger it just wasn't for me. But now like, I guys watching it I was, like, put more thought into it. like oh that's because like early on people are like nobody wants to watch a screen. Like yeah. YouTube has to be the reason it is so quick, quick, quick and bright colors and all this is like it's no one wants to just like no one wants to just sit and watch this like understandably. But like, you know, like a YouTube video needs to be like cutscenes and, you know, and then uh, yeah, which and or, you know, fun, cool art like the stuff like you all make. So it's so hard. I keep staring at your background. You have such a good background. I've just been trying. Oh, thanks. <laughs> like, right, gotta, can you see my know. my McFarlane figures collection? Oh my god! If anyone else listening, uh, I'm in my daughter's playroom, so I have a picture of a llama behind me. <laughs> I see SpongeBob, and that's so uh, cool. You guys got pillows made. Oh yeah, actually, my wife got me that, and and I can't see in the sweatshirt, but we we just just got our uh, T Public store up, so like you can they, now they can do them on there too. But my my wife had got these made for me prior, like for Father's Day, and it was like. I never had anything like that. I was like, oh my god, I've never seen my name on something before. And right. then my mom bought my nephew a t-shirt with my face on it. And like, he's six. And like, I was like, oh, fine. My dad sent me a picture of him in a Let's Chat shirt today. And um, it was like, I was like thanks, Dad. Right. Really nice. <laughs> I'm not crying. And like, because I made, um, we have another one. We I made like, um, it's the, 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 the text of to be the same one from The Muppet Show. And it was like my personal nod because I used to watch the Muppet Show with my grandparents, so I wanted to like do a little something. And my parents didn't know that. I was like, "That's I do that for Grandma and Grandpa," and it was so sweet. Um, oh, so working on Community, how what was that experience like? Amazing. Yeah, it was cool. Um, definitely learned a lot. It was interesting. We we were the first show I think to ever get this new stage uh, on CBS Radford, and essentially it was an old converted like. I think it was a parking garage, an underground parking garage. And they just converted it into stages for us to get in there. And all of the pillars that were throughout the parking garage, they just ended up turning into pillars throughout the school. Um, so you didn't even know. But like all of season six, that's all underground. What? So like, 
your job is like you're literally walking in all of you like your department you walking into a blank canvas and you just need it to, and you have to like make this look like Greendale. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow, that it was it was really cool, to, you know, because I I was lucky enough on that one uh, to start when there wasn't any you know there wasn't a single wall up, and then I got to watch the entire show get put up and shot, and then I got to watch everything get torn down again. So then it was back to an empty space. That so that is was kind of crazy. Cool. And so, do, when, are, you, are you ever on set with cast at all? Like, you get to meet Danny and all the gang? Yeah, I, I did quite a bit of that because for a long time, I literally was like, you know, the guy like running pages down to, you know, the set. Like, you'd be upstairs uh, above ground at the office, and then the new pages would come in, you know, and then you'd have to like print up 200 copies or whatever and then run them down to all the things. So, yeah, that was, that was very much my job for a while. That is so crazy. But I mean, for all you people out there, like, you all work out there. So, like, it's like probably I'm sure like anything that is like I'm like oh my god celebrities were like by six months you're like yeah whatever. No, I mean there's some. I think it just depends on the person, you know. But it, there's been so many celebrities that I meet and I'm like oh that's who that like I had apparently um, had a bunch of conversations with Bruno Mars and not even known it. And then, yeah, and then finally someone said, do you know who that is? Because I met him at this, I was working at a movie theater for a bit and he and his girlfriend would always come in and they were just super nice. And I just thought they were a nice couple coming in. And then finally, it was actually the week either before or after when he performed at the Super Bowl, somebody finally told me who that was. And it was, yeah, it was a surprise. So it just, I think it just kind of depends. But then also when I was working at that same movie theater, I ended up meeting a screenwriter that I really liked, uh, you know, that nobody else would have known who they were, but he could tell I knew, you know, he was like, oh no, this writer knows, this guy, you know, thinks he's a writer and he knows who I am. And so, you know, he, but he doesn't have to worry about, you know, people that read Us Weekly knowing about who he is or anything like that. That's funny. So yeah, I think it just kind of depends. Yeah, I worked at Starbucks for a long time, and I worked at one in Providence in the uh, hotel, and, like, frequently that would happen. I wouldn't know who the famous people I'm talking Like I would, like, get, like, especially athletes, a lot of athletes would come through that I would never, I don't know, anything about, like, hockey, like, or was it Charo from the Bruins came in, and I, like, I was like, oh, you play basketball? And then he laughed at me, and stuff like that, or, like, <laughs> Viola Davis, like, I think I was talking to her and her family, and she's like, oh, I'm an actress and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's real tough. Good luck. And she, like, her and her mom started laughing and left. <laughs> and then someone walked over. And she had just won an Oscar for the help. Oh, man. I am so jealous it? you got to talk to Viola Davis. Didn't even know. And just just for anyone listening, this is how, uh, at least in that nice moment, uh, besides her and her mother, were could not be sweeter as to just be nice to random barista. So when she went out to get... So I, this is... I worked at one in a hotel. So they went out to the car to get to the car, to go into the valet. And she opened the door and let her mom get in the front seat, and she jumped in the back. I, you know, I didn't think anything. But they, the guy who worked with Carl was like, oh, my God, Christopher, do you know who that was? Because she's like, I don't think she was born, but she's from Rhode Island. Like, she has ties, she was doing, like, a commencement speech up here, so she's like, has a lot of ties to the, the theater. Like, that is, that is Rhode Island legend, uh, royalty Viola Davis. Oh, my God. And she's, she's letting her mother sit in the front seat. I just remember thinking, like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I remember talking to um, Edward James almost like four times in one day. Cool. And not knowing it, who he was until after it ended. And I'm like, I actually like kind of, no, by the second time I knew it was him. And then by, by the third time I was like, God, dude, I'm trying to get to work, man. <laughs> right. Super nice. He was really like nice. trying to he be your friend. Because we were up the road from, ha- we were down the street from the headquarters of Hasbro. So that was, that was always fun. But like a lot of. I'm sure a lot of people I didn't recognize. Like, there's some guy who came in once who said, I think I had a buddy, like, you know, like when you work retail, you just like make friends with people like in that casual way. 
one of the guys said that one of the who invented the PlayStation. I guess he had come through one time, but I didn't know his name. Oh man! And what's the guy who made you Nintendo? I don't know his name. Yeah. My girlfriend, like stuff like that, that. But that's not a world I would even know. But that's too funny. That's so funny. Um, I was gonna say community. So all this, you do so much crazy work. And then, um, can you tell us about Mere Mortals? Because I, I was gonna try to paraphrase it, but I don't want to. I don't want to butcher it. Oh no, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mere Mortals is a book that I wrote and I released uh, Christmas last year, and I had been working on it most of my life. In a way, I've kind of been writing that since I was like 12. Um, but then I've just been rewriting it over and over over the years. Um, but it's about two men who die on the same night and they get brought back, one by heaven and one by hell, to stop a runaway demon who's causing terror on the earth. And if they don't, they face oblivion. And then it kind so of spirals nice. from there. That's so... Wait, so I, why... How, how do you start writing this at 12? <laughs> yeah, it, it was so different back then. I just expected that sentence to go so differently. No, it totally is. I like its origins, even though it has nothing to do with that original, you know, thing that I worked on. It, it was kind of the, the, you know, the snowflake that got my snowball running down the hill. And I had done some essentially like I was really into Mortal Kombat growing up. And I had essentially done some, uh, you know, fan stories of and making up my own characters and making up my own story. And then it just kept changing and changing and changing and changing. And then I wrote it as a screenplay when I was 18. And that was one of the first big screenplays I wrote. And it's just garbage. And then I wrote it as a book when I was 22. And then I ended up throwing that out after I finished it. Like I've never even read it. Um, and then I rewrote it again, and that was in like 2016 that I started rewriting it. And then that's the version that I just released now because I feel like I finally got it. I want to make a parody shirt that says "Mere Mortals Combat." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in like the text of Mortal Kombat. The, okay. You know, Mortal Kombat was the first PG-13 movie I ever saw in theaters without my parents. Oh, nice. Was yeah, I, I still love Good. that movie. You? What'd you say? It was not very good, if I recall correctly. <laughs> oh, I would say I, I really like that movie still. Like I, I feel like it just it was like right here's here's the Mortal Kombat story. Like nothing else. It's Mortal Kombat one. And we're just giving you the base version of it. Get over here! Oh man, so many memories. Yeah, I, yeah, I was way into that. Was like Tekken. Do you ever play that? I did play Tekken. Yeah, I pretty much all fighting games. I was really into. Uh, really into yeah. Street Fighter. Really into Mortal oh, yeah. Kombat. Uh, Dead or Alive. Um, yeah, all of them. We grew up Marvel versus like, Capcom too. Like so I grew up in uh, where I grew up in Connecticut. I grew up in Meriden, Connecticut, and um, I, I I didn't learn this till later in life. But that we were a test market. I think there was only four in the country for Burger King uh, to compete with their McDonald's Playscape. It was called Burger King Castle, or no, it was Burger King. It was Burger King and Jester's Courtyard. So like it was a, a regular Burger King restaurant, but the outside kind of looked like a castle, and next to it was a jester's courtyard they were connected and it had like this just gigantic arcade it was uh, every so often i'll go down a rabbit a reddit rabbit hole because it's such a niche thing but 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 it was about a mile from where i grew up but because of that like i had so much more because arcades were kind of already a thing of the past when i grew up i'm i was born in 84 but we still had this like very very much active like pre-chucky no chucky cheat at least where i live we didn't have chucky cheese yet so, like, my Mortal Kombat was not as much... It was literally playing the arcade game. Even though everyone else... Even though the home one existed, all of my memories of that were literally going to the arcade and just, like... And, like, just, like, 
Um, which I, I love playing it at home. Don't get me wrong, but just like the fucking the Bigs Box Arcade game. Oh my god, I want that in my house so bad. Me too. I that that would be a you know kind of a dream purchase, frivolous dream purchase for the yeah. future. Yeah, that and like ski ball. I want a ski oh ball. yeah, I would love to have a ski ball in my house and pinball. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the dream. Simpsons pinball. That's what I really want one day. Oh yeah, I went the Whenever. Simpsons arcade game. Yes. And someone's like, oh, no, you can just make one. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're, you're not understanding. I want to have so much money that I'm like, I'm buying this. <laughs> this is the first one they ever made. Yep. That's too funny. So that's so nuts. So you've been writing this book uh, since you're 12, and now you're, uh, <laughs> you're writing it much differently. But that's so What's your journey been with the book? What's my journey been with the book? It's It's been really interesting. I haven't even really thought about it in those terms, but like, it really is. You know, I was saying uh, when we were talking an email, like it's the first thing I think about, you know, in the morning, it's the last thing I think about at night. And it's just kind of this thing that I just always felt I should do and I always wanted to do. Um, so it's just dominated my thoughts so much that that's why I've, you know, written it, rewritten it and done so much on it. I've done so much art about it over the years and things. And Yeah, because your email really resonated with me. I was like, I 100% know what you mean. Like, don't tell my wife and daughter, but like, yeah, same thing. Like the like this podcast or has grown bigger than what it started as but yeah for so long it was like um i always kind of like it was like my little side fantasy like i know you i loved like i like i always would think it's like my slice of like being a talk show host where like i love the larry sanders show and like i mean i know it was like satire but like how like that's all control this entire life but for some reason there but i understand like i wake up and just i think about it and i think part of it is too is like a, a healthy distraction from reality of like putting um, just a, a hyperactive, anxious person anyway. So I think it's like, it helps me put some of those thoughts that might be of uh, not good thoughts that make me less happy. It's just to put that anxious energy here. And totally. It turned into something that's very, as you, I'm sure as you know too, like it can turn into something really wonderful and connects you to some, it, 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 this is the journey it brings you on. Like, I mean, it's like, it's so interesting. Like there's the art of the writing, the art of the process of doing but all the stuff, like all the like, think of all the people you get to meet. Like it just turns into this like way. As for at least for myself, it's like it's kind of like a secret way to make friends. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, like, can I can I just yeah. say really quick too? Like it's it's been so much fun to watch your podcast. You know, just blow up. Oh, this thank you this so past much. year, you know, like it, it was when we were first talking before, you know, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're getting like, you know, Griffin Newman on. And I was just like, oh, OK, a, yeah. cool. Like, I, I loved that episode and I'm a big fan. Oh, of thank his. you. And you guys talking I, about the tick and all that was so cool. Oh, that was a that was such a high. And I wanted to put this out there for everyone to know the truth. What happened? Uh, you were very kind and we were Ash had connected us. I was like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then the pandemic happened. And I think I canceled. I forgot why. And then the pandemic happened, and I truthfully, I totally did the thing where I forgot. I totally blew. I just forgot. Like I, 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 I just completely forgot to respond. And then I went into a shame spiral. I'm like, ah, oh, it's been too long. And then I ignored it. Right. And, and I, I, and I'm so sorry. And then you were super nice and wrote back. And I'm like, John, thank you so much because I actually, I remember even thinking about that. I was like, fuck, I, man, I, I actually like felt bad about. It. Like three or four months went by, and I would like pop in my head. I'm like. It, it's something I work on with therapists of like responding to messages and all that shit. But I was like, man, and you wrote back. I was like, yes. Oh my God. This, thank you. Thank you so much. I, <laughs> I felt so bad and, and so much God. And, but, uh, but thank you for those kind words as well. But no, it was, yeah, like it was, it was so for... nice. I was like, thank you. I thought I just, 
I totally did the thing. I'm like, well, he clearly hates me because I blew him off. Like, you know how like, it's funny we put those narratives out there that are not even true? You're like, oh, you have a family. You were so kind. I was like, thank you. You're very validating. Oh, gosh. I, I know what that's like so much. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And you just assume that people like, or like, oh, they, they, they hate me. Or, or they don't like me. Or they don't, I don't know. You do that. And um, a little a little tidbit, too. I love sharing this story with uh, the Griffin Newman episode, which was like, I'm a fanatic of the tick and huge blank check fan. And um, same. So we had, we had actually done two episodes and this, I, I think this is important to tell him because this is how nice he is as a human being. Um, we had did an episode. Uh, it was the first like week, that weekend, the first full week I was at work when the pandemic, the pandemic had hit like America. It was that first week, that first weekend I worked like six straight days. This is, be- I work in a hospital. This is before, this is when the CDC is saying that everyone needs PPE and the hospital we're working in isn't giving us any because there isn't enough. So it was a very tough time for me. And mm-hmm. um, my daughter was sick that weekend, but we still did it. And she kept throwing up. So I had to keep running downstairs. And at one point he's like, hey man, I, I ran down. So she showed up twice during the interview. It was about 30 minutes. I came back upstairs. He's like, hey. Do you want to just do it again? Like I'll come back in a couple weeks. And in my head, I normally would be like, no, no, no. But I, I was just dead inside. I was like, I got thirty minutes. Whatever, we're fine. We'll never talk again. And he held his word. He actually came back like a couple weeks later. He reached back. We got connected. And then he taught. He was beyond kind at this time. But like, I just still couldn't get over that. I was like, you don't owe me anything. And the fact that he like was so nice to like, go like both you and him. I, 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 I don't know. That stuff always stand like sticks with me in my heart. Like it means so much. I was like. Just I like when people are nice and people need to hear those stories. So that, I think that's such a good uh, story to his character. I'm like, what a good Absolutely. person. Yeah, we yeah. need more stories like that. Yeah, and I'm just such a fucking fan of his. It's still kind of weird. I'm like, I can't believe we talked to each other. <laughs> right. But that, 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 that's a, again that like celebrity thing where it's like, you know, I could see somebody else and not care. But if I saw, you know, Griffin Newman out in public, I'd, I'd definitely mm-hmm. say like, oh, man, I'm, I'm a fan. Like, you know. Yeah. I, a, fun, a buddy of mine I used to work with in Starbucks in Connecticut, um, his brother is an actor, not the one who works in Community, but his name's Chris McKenna, not the Chris McKenna from Community. There's another Chris McKenna. Oh, right. uh, so they, he lived in L.A. forever, working at like a, this was years ago, but he worked at this talk, coffee shop. And he would tell me stories like, yeah, people come in, wouldn't care, Johnny Depp, whatever. But he's like, you were on that one episode of Veronica Mars and like zone it. And like, I'm that same way too. Like Griffin's one of those people I could spend like an hour on. And then someone's like, that's Beyonce. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, but did you hear his analysis of who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> like, yeah. Was that from blank check? Yeah, they did. They just did a blank check. Uh, they're doing the uh, Zemeckis series right now. Oh, cool. I need to get it, in on that. It's so good. They just did back to the future. Oh, nice. It's so good. Yeah, that was fun too because that was like he was. I think that was kind of our kickoff where um, the short version of this. I started the show in 2013. It was like weekly, going out very hobbyist, but like really fun. It was kind of growing, and then my my daughter, my wife, when my my daughter was born, my wife had a, a very a traumatic birth, and my wife almost passed. My almost my wife almost died. My daughter was in the NICU. A bunch of stuff happened. And like I had PTSD, and I, so I actually tried to quit the show. I didn't, but I came very close. And then I had just kind of picked back up and was starting to figure things out again. And then uh, the pandemic happened. But right before the pandemic, I had teamed up with a producer. And then it, that's kind of ebb and flowed to some producers. And maybe the last, like, six months, it went from, like, a hobby to, like, let's make this. Like, it's actually officially, like, we're male 
uh, monetizing and turning it into a business and making a company and all that fun stuff. So yeah, it was a fun time. But that group, when I remember when the, the quarantine happened, my good buddy Max was like, "Ask every single person you've ever wanted to have on right now because this is the right time." And we had like a four or five run. I was just like, "Holy shit! I can't believe you all said yes." Oh, it's been very cool to see the names. Yeah. And, you know, the punk community too has been a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. Do you know what's, I was, I'm not, I don't like, it's not like a business decision, but I was joking the other day. I was like, I love the punk rock people, but punk rockers don't spend any money. And when you have someone on from the geek community, you, you get, people will buy, give like donate. And so it's like, oh, right. it's always like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So it's always that weird torn moment of like, I love talking to like people from that world, but I also really want to like afford to do this, but mm-hmm. I just tease the punk community. Yeah. We, we've been kind of hammering. I was like, I think this show essentially is just like punk rock and geek culture. Cause yeah. that's all I think about all day. It's just like, <laughs> cause to me it's the same, same way I would like, wax over like emo records and like argue about shit is the same way people I, I now feel about Marvel movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, and I, I'm a, I'm a Johnny come lately to Marvel, like the, the Marvel stuff. I didn't get into them until the movies. I didn't read the comic books growing up. I watched animated, but that's about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. For, for me, it was, it was almost the opposite. Cause I, I was such a comic book geek growing up and Marvel, you know, people kind of assign themselves like Marvel or DC. And even though I bought both of them, I bought way more Marvel books, mostly because of X-Men. I, I was a fiend for X-Men books growing up because um, there was so many of them at any given time. You know, there was usually like six or seven X something books coming out every month. Um, so, you know, to grow up and, and to have them just straight up put the stuff that's in the books on the screen has just been a lot of fun. I love the cartoon. That was the, probably my f- earlier memories. I loved the X-Men animated. Like, I loved all those stuff. Totally. When we got the Disney Plus, I, I went back through those, and I was like, man, these were actually, like, pretty solid. Remember when Morph died? That was the yeah. first time I ever cried at a television show. The, only to later find out he didn't die. But at that moment. Right. Well, and then it got all uncomfortable because then he was evil when he came back. And those cool, episodes man. were always so emotional. It really fucked with me. I remember, like skipping twice like faking stomach aches so i didn't have to go to taekwondo so i could watch the <laughs> x-men animated which kind of shows That's who awesome. i am as a human at this age <laughs> no like that show is oddly emotional like the and it the voice so actors really good. go for it like yeah i've it's listened fun. to the creators on like other people's podcasts and like it seems like they were like and they were making high art in their mind and they were but like mm-hmm. they were they fucking cared like, totally and it, it does show, like, there's a handful of those cartoons of that era that, like, a lot of it's garbage, but there's a few that really stick out. X-Men Animated is one of them. Um, Darkwing Duck is another one I think is like, holy shit, like, you really... Yeah. This is really good. Animaniacs for me is one that I always yeah. think like that They're every time I watch it. it. Yeah, I heard about that. I'm I'm cautiously oh. optimistic. Oh, I'm so optimistic because I, mean, I want it to be good. I want it to be good for, yeah, I, I, I will never like be against something when they announce it because anything has the potential to be good. And I've been surprised and wrong so many times now that I just absolutely reserve judgment. Like, you know, yeah. Heath Ledger as, jo- as Joker was one of the first times where I was like, okay, I'm going to shut up now <laughs> for every decision. I'm going to wait till I see the thing and yeah. see what they come up with. And that was a big one that, for me. That's a pretty common, a lot of people. Yeah, I have that a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, looking back now, it's like, how could I have heard that announcement and not been excited? 
but I just didn't know. And then, and then the art started coming in and, you know, they were kind of keeping him hidden, but then there was that poster where it was all foggy and he was kind of standing behind it, you know, it said, why so serious? And then, yeah, my perception just completely changed. And now I will always wait to see what they come up with. Um, how shitty yeah. it would be if I like went into the post and cut out the Heath Ledger and just said, and, and took your voice to say Joaquin Phoenix. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that, but that would be so shitty. Oh man. Very different take on that character. I don't even have any hot takes on that movie. That was, uh, it was a good movie. I think the last 10 minutes kind of undercut everything. All the controversy aside, it, it was fine. I won't watch it again. Yeah, I'm not going to see that one again, I don't think. For no other reason than I just... It was a little darker than a type of movie. I, I actually think the concept of it was a cool idea, and I hope mm-hmm. they do more stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really need to talk about that movie at all. I just and it, it just didn't move me, you know what I mean? It was just one of those. It was like, that's good, but I'll move on. Totally, I yeah, think, and, if, and if it doesn't affect you, then yeah, yeah. that's the issue. I have ever, because around that time, Hustlers had come out, and that was a much more a Scorsese, also a fellow like Scorsese influenced movie, and that movie needed to get. And the pre, the marketing of that movie was terrible. It made it look like a party strip club movie, and it was such a heist movie, and it was dark and sad. And, and you know those like very sexual and titillating scenes were absolutely in there, and the, it was. I think it did it. It was amazing, but like, I don't know if you if you happen to see it, but it was really. I haven't good. seen Hustlers now. It is literally Goodfellas. And and they say like and that's the marketing doesn't show that it makes it look like it's like Lizzo and Cardi B and they're all in it for like three seconds but it is straight up Goodfellas it is a fucking heist movie it's such in the sky there's a the great twist there's a they do the the surprise um, uh, narration switch in it as well like how they do it in Goodfellas where it's uh what's his face and it switches to Lorraine Baccarat like oh right uh, yeah it's it's it's. God, I want to watch that again. It was a really good movie, and like even like with J Lo and all them looking as as like gorgeous and sexy and doing all the beautiful stripping, that part of it isn't even the part of the movie. I don't even come out like, oh my god, J Lo's ass. So like her performance, mm-hmm. so heartfelt and like, yeah, it's a. I love I like a podcast because I just like to, we were here to promote people's work that you haven't seen that I have nothing to do with. <laughs> No, I, I've heard nothing but good things about that movie, actually. Yeah, and everybody kind of said the same thing you did. They're like, wow, it was like a really good turn from J-Lo. Yeah, like, she should have actually won the Oscar. I forgot who won that year, but it should have been J-Lo. That's all I need. I'm going to write that down. I need to go watch that. Yeah, and it was one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And I remember being really mad that it that Joker took away from it. because oh, right. All, and that was like all the... I was like, y'all want to watch a Scorsese movie? You've got to watch Hustlers. Because I forgot the woman's name who directed it, but she's... Whew, she's fucking good. Like, huh. It was a good... Yeah, you're, you're going to love it. And then... Okay. Um, so I definitely want to... Definitely want to... Oh, my God. There's so much stuff to hit up with you. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely all over it. the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, I definitely want to circle to your Hot Wheels stuff you did. The RoboShark with Hot Wheels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's my nephew, because... <laughs> Like, I loved making those toy car things when I was younger. So how much of that was like, is this work? Because I would be doing this at home anyway. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's like mega arts and crafts. And yeah, working on um, the Hot Wheels stuff was a lot of fun. Um, Very welcome surprise. Um, 
you know, th- that show is just, like, I've shown it to my nieces and nephews too. And yeah, like you were saying earlier, like they watch it like over and over and over and over again. And it's just so cool to see, because I've worked on so many shows and like, it's kind of hard to get, like you were saying earlier, like it's kind of hard to get people to watch stuff that you've worked on. But that one, I haven't had a hard time, you know, getting my nieces and nephews to work on it or watch it at all. Um, yeah, and building those sets was super fun because essentially what we were doing is, you know, they're going to be coming out with a new playset for the year and then they give us the playset and they say, okay, now turn the, you know, build this, but not as the little toy here, build it as if it was, you know, spread out on, on a whole big city block, you know, in this town, this Hot Wheels city. Uh, and so it's kind of up to us to just figure out how that all works. What's that process? So like, so there's a day of your job where you all get to come in and you're just like, first you just have to play with them to understand them? Essentially, yeah. Um, like that one video that I sent you with the, um, it was like a big tower that the cars kind of did a spiral up in. Yeah. And there was an ice cream cone and all that. Like that that took a lot of kind of, you know, reverse engineering. And so I had to just kind of study the toy over and over and over again and be like, okay, so how do they get it to do this? And then, you know, I had to blow it up and expand it to several times the size of the toy. And so then it came with a whole bunch of new set of problems of like, and you know, one of the nice things is that our, the cars on that, they don't actually have to shoot down any tracks or anything because they're all going to be animated frame by frame by frame by the animators. So it's just trying to figure out the trick of like, what does the animator need out of this build to do what they need to do to make it look like the cars are shooting around on these you know, play sets. Do you get to bring the box set home with you afterwards? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I think it's so funny of all that cool stuff you've done. If anyone can see your, uh, what we've talked about, I'm like, you got to play with Hot Wheels, and I think right. that explains this podcast very well. Oh yeah, Toys absolutely. Are fun. Oh, it's so much fun. And then we did that. I don't know if you saw too, but we had this uh, other series. It's called Monster Truck Island. I watched the preview on Crackle. Oh yeah, it's it's super fun, and, and that amazing. one is just crazy because the ideas they come up with are just so much fun. Yeah, it's just playing in a big sandbox essentially. How do you even get into stop mo? Like, there's not. Well, actually, I'm I'm curious. Is do you think the market for stop motion has increased since the advent of YouTube? Because when I was in college, they were talking about stop ad. It was going to be a dead art form pretty soon. Yeah, um, that's definitely a conversation a lot. You know, um, on the stages and everything, but. Um, there has been a pretty good upswing in stop mo content in the past couple of years. And actually, especially since COVID happened, I feel like all of animation is actually happening kind of, or having kind of a big renaissance. Oh, uh, we're about to have a fucking boom. It's like the only yeah. thing. Could, yeah. Netflix is putting a lot of money. Totally. Into it. Yeah. That all the companies are just like, oh, all right. Maybe yeah, people are going to be like, they're not for kids anymore. And they haven't been for 30 years, but okay. Yeah, and there, there's so few people doing it. You know, in Los Angeles, there's essentially like three games in town, and none of them do movies. And then up in Portland, there's a couple uh, studios up there that do the feature films. You know, the, all the Leica movies are all made up in Portland. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, uh, Stopmo is not very profitable. Like, I think... O- only Chicken Run essentially has been really successful as far as stop mo uh, feature films go. I love that movie. Oh yeah, Chicken Run's great. Um, but you know, even uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, like we were talking about, that's kind of the example I usually give to people when I'm trying to explain to them what I do. Even that didn't really make money when it came out. You know, it was only once Hot Topic and the merchandising really you know hit with that mm. movie that it started making a lot of money and got really popular. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately, there's not a lot of money in stop motion animation. Um, so hopefully that changes here soon. 
there's been a lot of integration of CGI with uh, Stopmo lately. Like uh, Ardman's been doing it a lot. They did uh, Pirates uh, either last year or the year before, and that was you know kind of kind of a hybrid of CGI and, and Stopmo and things like that. But if one of the things. Oh, sorry. Oh no! Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one of the things I, I like about Stopmo is that you know it's wonderful that you have with CGI the ability to solve so many problems in so many ways. But with Stopmo, it's just so much fun having to solve them. Uh, you know in real life with something that you can hold tactically, you know, trying to do it in the camera kind of thing. Well, yeah, because, like, maybe, like, you know, I think Starburns Industry, you know, because they did those community episodes, like, more or, like, it feels like the people who are making it is because, like, they fucking love it. But, yeah, like, absolutely. You know what? I was trying to, like, I was, as we were talking, you were saying all that, it made me think, like, my first introduction to Stop Mo was Gumby. Oh, yeah. Did you, you must have watched that as well. Yeah, I watched Gumby, and then I think, uh, Thomas the Train Engine, I think, was probably stop mode as well. Oh, I bet my my daughter is in a huge Thomas kick right now. Cool. Didn't know much about the Thomas, and for anyone who doesn't know, Tom, I don't know. I, I'm learning the history of Thomas, but she's watching the one at whatever's on Netflix. I think the newer versions. That show is super fucking woke. <laughs> oh my god! Like it travels the world when they go to a different country. Um, the trains have the accent. Like, if they're in Italy, the train, the Italian trains sound like they're from Italy. I, I'm going to assume the voice actors match. Like, it is the most global show. Like, um, so today's Halloween, the day we're recording it. So she was, um, she was Bo Peep. Uh, for, she had two costumes. She was Bo Peep and she was uh, Anna from uh, uh, Frozen. And she's not, like, she's not really into the princesses too much. She's not against them, just not really into it. And the best example today, so she's going to put on the crown. It wasn't like, and she goes, just like Rajit, because there's an episode of Thomas where one of the trains named Rajit wears a crown. And I'm like, how cute is, like, my little three-year-old is, like, three-and-a-half-year-old is, like, Rajit wears a crown, not, like, Cinderella. And, like, right, you know, go, go you, Thomas the Train. And that yeah, that's awesome. So, like, yeah, Rajit, you wear that crown. Man, some of those children's shows are just so much more well-produced and put together. I, I I get more in awe of Sesame Street the older I get. Oh my god! And I hate that she won't watch it as much as I want to, because they do some really good parody stuff too. Yeah, the Game of Thrones and like they and they they, they do ones where like they get like kind of political and out getting political and like they make fun of the president a lot or like, totally. Yeah, the more yeah Sesame Street. I I was just talking. Oh, I was interviewing. I did an interview with um, uh, Pete who plays um, uh, Streetlight Manifesto, which is like one of my favorite bands. And, like, at one point, we ended up talking about, like, kids' music. And from his... I was just curious on a musician standpoint. And I was like, yo, Daniel Tiger. Like, that's, like, good, right? He's like, <laughs> like, that's actually good music. I mean, it's kids' music, but, like, the composition of it, of, like... There's a few kids show. A lot of it sucks. But, like, it's, like, the Muppets and Daniel Tiger. Like, the music for Daniel Tiger, if you just took out the kids singing, it's fucking insane, the amount of work that goes into that. So well-produced. <laughs> I know. I wish there was more like stop mo for like the kids stuff and like well, that's yeah. That's where, and maybe that's the problem because that's where the money is. Kids because they don't watch absolutely anything of quality. <laughs> they watch it seven million times in a row. Totally. One of the one of the most successful stop mo projects right now, um, Tumble Leaf, is for kids and and that's still cooking. So to try that one. Yeah, it's cool. Do you think if it wasn't for like Seth Green and Robot Chicken, like uh, which I know you work on as well, but like. That seems to be the most consistent stop mo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Robot Chicken is definitely the uh, the staple for Stupid Buddy Studios. It's it's you know kind of the thing that they're hanging their cap on, and kind of allows them to do all these other shows. 
Yeah, so what's your journey getting to Robot Chicken? Yeah, I I was doing a lot of artwork and I ended up working for these commercials for Denny's, these things called like the Grand Slams. And you know, just, oh, a, yes. just a job that I took. And then it ended I'm in up the Northeast. This... I'm very familiar with the Denny. I, and I oh, grew yeah. up in the punk scene, so I've spent a lot of time at the Denny's. Oh, yeah, at like 3 a.m. after a show. Yep. Have you have you seen the video of a band playing at Denny's? I don't know where it is. It's, it's like it's circling around in like certain sects of the internet. And it's just, it's like a meme, but somewhere there's a punk show at Denny's. And the, the hardcore front is like, What the fuck is up, Denny's? <laughs> And it's like become like a meme within like certain circles of like these like nostalgia or like Facebook groups I'm in for like a like that type of thing. But it's like it, that's so hard. That's the hardcore scene in essence. What the fuck up? What the fuck is up, Denny's? <laughs> that's awesome. For for me, it was Waffle House. So fucking jealous, my man. Oh, dude, I loved it. Like, yeah, there was this one right off I twenty five on our I way didn't know back in into Colorado. Long yeah, and. Oh man, going to see shows and then on our way, you know, after going to Red Rocks and then you're on your way back home and going to Waffle House. Oh, come House on, you got to go to Red Rocks oh, and get Oh my God, it's, it, it, I feel so spoiled getting to go to Red Rocks. Like, I, I've seen Incubus twice there and so many other shows like Punk on the Rocks and then they do Film on the Rocks. And th- it's, it's almost kind of a, a curse as well as a blessing because once you've seen a show at Red Rocks, every other venue is wasted for the rest of your life. Like, none of them can live up to Red Rocks. We'll definitely circle back to Robot Chicken. I want to ask you more about Red Rocks. I've never been, but like that's. Um, can you explain to people who are listening? Because I've only seen videos and pictures. It's it's like the most beautiful venue in America, uh, in the world, possibly. It, or it's yeah, up it's there. it's not only the most beautiful. It's it's the best acoustics I've ever heard. You know, in a venue anywhere. Essentially, what happened was uh, up in the foothills. Um, there's all these uh, you know really. Uh, flat-faced rock formations in this area of Colorado. And I'm pretty sure it was during the Great Depression, the government was like, we need to put some people to work. So they essentially hired a whole bunch of people to build an amphitheater out there. And yeah, they that just, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, and they just made Red Rocks. And it, it's incredible because, you know, the stage is essentially at the very bottom and then the stands kind of, you know, shoot up into the mountain. And what's so cool is that when you're up in the audience, you can see like the Denver skyline in the background oh. above the stage. So, you know, oh there's the stage right there. And then just above it is the Denver skyline. And if you're lucky enough to get, you know, like a full moon and then the full moon comes up right over the city too. It's just, it's a very cool place to see music played. Yeah. All my musician friends, that's always like the place they want to play. That's like, that's like the place. That's like yeah. the, the venue. Totally. It's, the, it's oh, like the God. Madison Square Garden of, of music venues, I feel. Yeah, honestly, it sounds nicer than Madison Square Garden because Madison Square Garden's <laughs> great, but there's like a train station underneath it. It's really big. Right. It's like, different vibe. Uh, yeah, because like, Red Rocks is like way out of the city. Like you, you have to leave civilization to get to Red Rocks. I just love that. They're like, let's just put an amphitheater here. Yeah. I mean, Colorado's got all that legal weed. Yeah, because that was way before. Too. But I mean, that it, it didn't matter. Like if you went to see a show at, at Red Rocks, like yeah, you were definitely yeah, kind of assumed that was where I was like, what's that smell? Oh. Oh, thanks, Mom. Is um, am I right? Is this? Did I remember this correctly? Isn't uh, Colorado already have? Or they're working to legalize mushrooms. Yeah, as far as I know, they're the ones pushing for it the most. I would love to go there and do that. I've I'm never so done proud them. of them. But I would like to. Yeah, Colorado is great. I I I'm so glad that I grew up there, and you know, I'm enjoying living in California. But Colorado, I just can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, I've never been, but I, I really. 
I think I probably, if, it, if all this pandemic hadn't happened, it would have been like, it's on my bucket list of places to go to. It just sounds so beautiful. And like, um, I've never done mushrooms, and but if they were legal, I would consider it. See, and it's not immoral if it's legal, so. Yeah, oh, there's never the morality. <laughs> <laughs> that was never my problem. Because I've done, um, I, I've done EMDR therapy, which is, um, it's this, you, there's like, I know there's a lot of research behind of um, microdosing and stuff like that. Yeah. But EMDR therapy is basically the same as effects of doing uh, microdosing without actually doing any of the drugs. So like I'm now at a point in my life where I feel comfortable like I could do a hallucinogenic and not freak the fuck out. Like yeah. for so long in my life, I was just like, I, I, no, 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 no. Now <laughs> I've had I know this about myself. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nope, I can't do deprivation tanks. I can't, I, I, I can't do that stuff. Hallucinogenics like, nope, nope, too anxious. not going to do it. And now I'm like, yeah, like, but now I'm at just more of the, like the safety concern of like, what if I had to get them? And I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just, just, it's not that much pressing for me to do them. I'm also like a drug right. counselor too, so this is a great thing to talk about. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm past that part of it with my job. But yeah, so I'm I just I remember my aunt and uncle went to Colorado after it was legalized. Uh, marijuana was legalized, and they said they got a rental car, and they like reached down the seat and pulled up like someone had left a huge bag of weed. Oh I'm like, no! Well, did you smoke it? They're like, no. Unless they're <laughs> unless they're lying to me, which I don't think they were, because they're those they're very wonderful, but. I don't know. I don't think they're pop people. That'd be pretty rock and roll if they did. I know they're the they're the fucking coolest. They're so cool. Is your family style in Colorado? Yeah, most of them. Uh, I have a my sister and her family is up in Portland, and then yeah, the most. I have of cousins them are... in Portland. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. My um, my cousin, my little baby cousin Nico, is in an episode of Portlandia. Oh no, kidding! I love that. Yeah. Show. If you the I think it's like the first season where they're screaming, and yelling about a dog being tied up. Oh yeah, I totally remember. At the very end, it's a baby. <laughs> yeah, that's my cousin Nico. So my co- my his mom is my co- my cousin Sarah was um, in a band called Unwound that like toured a lot with Sleater Kinney. So she's like very friends with like Carrie and all those people. Like Fred Armisen, she's like not a celebrity at all, but Fred to Fred Armisen, she is kind of. That's the best way to put it because right. they were like that Sonic Youth. But and my cousin Andy's up there too, and all of their family and um, kind of. Yeah, I just got this. They sent me for my little, so my cousin's daughter, I think she was nine, they just sent us this, like, letter she had written about her experience of living in Portland right now with all the stuff happening and the COVID, and it was, man, kids are so resilient. Like, she Mm -hmm. was not what you would expect. It was really, it was really touching to see Mm -hmm. all that, but that that took me down a path. Also, all right, so your sister's in Portland. So have you gotten to go up there? Yeah, yeah, I've been up there a few times, you know, not not anytime recently, unfortunately, but I really like Portland. That that I've heard city's cool. vibe is great. Yeah, I'd like to go. And so and then so Colorado, oh, that's so cool. Have you have you gone back to Colorado since this all happened? I have. Yes, did did a quick road trip and went back. Um, you know, I was actually there for like basically a day. Um, and it, we we had two uh, babies born in our family during oh, COVID. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, so I'm an uncle twice over again. Um, oh my goodness, congratulations. So, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, really exciting. Um, and finally, everybody was in one place at the, one time. And I said, I have to go and, you know, meet the kids. Yeah, that's too special. Yeah. Also, I'm a proud uncle. I have a nephew, uh, two nephews and a niece. And it's, God, the best thing is, especially when they start to hit around like five, they want to just talk about the stuff that they like, but it's also the stuff I like. Totally. So I like, get along with kids a little too well. Like all of my friends with kids, like I'll end up talking to their five-year-old longer than them. Right. Like, hey, Alicia, good to see you. Hey, let's talk about Mario. Totally. 
And they're like, oh, good, I have no idea what he's talking about. My friend, our friend Karish's little boy, Sebastian, they convinced me to play Minecraft. Or I've got a, like, for talking to him, like, that sounds awesome. And they're like, oh, my God, that was so nice to, you're engaging him. Like, yeah, I was being nice. That's all I was doing. I just want to play just... a Switch. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, for sure. Th- this trip back actually was one of the most fun times I had hanging out with my nieces and nephews. Because, like, they're playing Pokemon now. And I'm a recent convert. To, to Pokemon, actually just in COVID was when I, I first got into it. And now I would actually call myself like a Poke fanatic. And it was so much fun, like getting to hang out with them and talk about that stuff. I know. It's so weird that like, the adults look at you like, why do you know what all these po- Yeah, because all they're all in like Pokemon and Mario yeah. and our, our other friend Laura, like her, I remember talking to her little boy who's like six and we were talking about Spider-Verse. And like oh, at a yeah. certain point, I got lost in our conversation. And he was like, "Well, he's like really cute." He's like, "He's like my 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 favorite part is when 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 Miles jumps off the building and the music kicks in." And then like I'm like, "Oh my god, me too." That's my favorite that's part too. That's the best part. And then I'm like, "Yeah." And then you get to like kind of like be like kind of tell them fun facts that everyone already knows, but six year olds don't. So you see yeah. cool. So you're awesome like, well, to did them. You know, do you notice the music transfers from hip hop to classical? I gotta go back and watch that. Thanks. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a good feeling, and then you get to be the one that brought that to them. Yep, I know. It's I. I was not. I've always. I mean, I never hated children. I've worked with them and stuff, but like, I was never really comfortable around kids until my nephew was born, mm-hmm. and then had my own. But yeah, being an uncle is fucking awesome. Oh, it's great. Because and I've learned this from my own daughter. Um, they won't like anything you show them, so I can't show my daughter anything I like. But the uncle can. So like, I've got my nephew into Mario, and I'm oh, able nice. to like. I got him a Mario comic book early on. He got we went to go see Sonic. I bought him Calvin and Hobbes, and then my own daughter. I'm like, you'll figure it out because you don't like anything I show you, right? <laughs> so it's it's actually more fun. It's way more fun being uncle. You get to especially with your line of work, you literally get toys. Totally, yeah. I, I got to bring home you know like a bunch of Hot Wheel cars for this last trip, and that was a lot of fun. Absolutely, hundred percent. I I, I, I like it. I'm oh, sorry. That must be the best. Are you excited when they're old enough and you can give them like near mortals and all like the books you write? And, totally. Like, yeah, it's funny that you know the my uh, siblings and you know uh, uh, in laws have been asking, or not in laws, but uh, my step or why do I keep my brother in law and my sisters in law? Um, you know they've been asking about it, and I just have to tell them like I'm so sorry. This would probably be rated R. <laughs> I cannot I cannot condone you guys uh, giving this to them. It's too funny. That that isn't that what a good uncle does when they're like one year away for appropriate material. You like kind of slide it to him, like here you go. Here's that George Carlin yep. record. Although but I, I wonder... keep getting surprised because you know, like uh, my brother just recently showed my nephew. Oh, what was it? Oh, was it like Terminator Two? I think or something. And I was like, you know, he's eight, and so it's like, man, if he's watching Terminator Two already, then probably he's not right. too far off from Mere Mortals, right? Yeah, I wonder. I think about this too. Like now, as a parent and stuff, or like for aunts and uncles, everyone out there, it's like, I, I feel like a society we should all just agree that like let's just give up on like hiding bad words and stuff from kids because they got the internet. Right. Like, I don't understand how I'm going to shield her from seeing Star Wars when I have Disney Plus. Like all she has right. to do is hit the non-adult version and it's like bam or whatever. So like, let's just let's just all just take a break and be like everything sucks. So we're gonna say shit and fuck and damn and and little kids are gonna watch stuff that's a little ahead of them because. They're going to see it soon. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I, I can't even imagine what it's like now being a kid, you know, having access to so many different avenues, like what they're able to see and get their hands on. It's the same thing we went through. We just, the same way our parents would be like, back in my day, we had three channels. Yeah, good uh, point. They don't, and you know, actually one of the nice things I've noticed, I'm curious if you noticed this as uncle as well. Um, 
which is so funny. We're here to talk about all these cool things you work on, but it's always like, but that's what I think is sweet. Like we're all just like secretly like we just love our family. Totally. Um, like for Christmas, like except my nephew got a switch and he was so excited. But he also got a Polaroid camera, like a retro ninety like but like they redid them for little kids. He was more enthralled by Candyland and that and that. And I, I was thinking about it, I was like, Oh yeah, because to Benny he grew up with a cell phone in his hand. Like not literally, but you know what I mean? Like whatever. But board games and all that old stuff is like new. So him wow. and all his little friends love ta- they love tabletop games. Like that's the punishment. The, the Switch is like, yeah, whatever. But it's like, no, I have to play Candyland, or I have to play Battleship, or guess no who? No way. It, which sucks, because I go over there, and I want to play Switch, and he wants to play Guess Who with me. Which is like, fine. I played Guess Who a million times. Oh, man. That's but really funny. Is, is that with your nieces and nephew noticing that, like, obviously he likes electronics, but, like, the older stuff is, like, gold to them. I mean, I, I've just been kind of shocked by their screen time so far. You know, I, I think it's like, because they're kind of newly getting iPads and, and phones and things like that. And, you know, for, so what I see is definitely kind of like, ooh, screen <laughs> kind of thing. Have to, you know, limit their time. And then I found out that like Xbox, you can uh, limit now. Like if, if a certain profile is signed in, you can limit how much time they can play. And then it basically oh, just shuts them off. Yeah, I'm glad. I feel like I'm going to miss that generation. But then, like, I was making this joke. I'm like, the best thing about COVID is you don't have to hear anyone complain about your kids being on the screen. Right. Because <laughs> once that happened, we're like, whatever, figure it out. <laughs> it's like, please get back on the screen. I actually think the opposite's going to happen with virtual school is I think kids are going to hate screens. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to play video games. <laughs> right. I want to go outside. I want to get back outside. Ooh. Scrape my knees. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, so I definitely want to talk to you about Robot Chicken because I was watching the Doctor Strange one right before we hopped on again because that one has made me laugh like 700 times. I love that sketch. It was so fucking... He just left the portal open? <laughs> <laughs> it just gives him a tour of hell. Um, yeah, so what was your what's your journey to Robot Chicken? I think you probably already told us, but I sidetracked this as usual. Well, no, yeah, I had I had started uh, working for Stupid Buddy Studios on a commercial. They, they were doing those Denny's Grand Slams and then... I was used to working on live action stuff. And so that was kind of a new thing for me. And then I had to go, I think I was like going on a run. I had to go to their shop to go grab something. And when I saw their workshop and I saw what they do, it was, that was a big moment for me. And I essentially said, Oh, okay, this is what you guys do. Hold the phone. I might need to try to get in here. So then, yeah, I essentially just tried to, you know, switch gears um, and then got into building for Stop Mo Miniatures. And I was working on a show called uh, Buddy Thunderstruck at first, which only had one season, unfortunately, and it was on Netflix. And I really like that show, so I would totally recommend that to parents. It's it's kind it of a Buddy Thunderstruck. And, you know, it's got kind of a southern uh, flair, and it's about this uh, these two friends, and one of them is a, a big wheels racer. It's It's got a lot of character, and that's fun. But I started on that one, and then from there I ended up working on another show of theirs called Super Mansion, which was a Brian Cranston, Chris Pine show that they were doing for a few seasons. And then because I had worked on those shows, then when Robot Chicken came along, I was able to transition under robot chicken wait chris pine and brian cranston made a show yeah it's it's like a stop mo animated comedy avengers essentially and brian i've heard the name yeah 
it only had three seasons. I, I don't think it's coming back, unfortunately. Um, and I worked on seasons two and three of that show. And yeah, it's it's kind of just like, you know, Avengers Mansion, but then sort of mixed with Robot Chicken, like sort of that kind of humor. But then it's actually like a story. You know, it's not a bunch of sketches. I just didn't expect Chris Pine to be in the stop Bob. He plays the villain in that show, uh, Dr. Deviso, and it is absolutely my favorite thing that he's ever done in a long list of favorites. I, I love him as Dr. DeMarzo. More so than Wet Hot American Summer? Yes. Wow, that's high. <laughs> that's a high compliment. Absolutely. He, he he's so good at it. that beautiful. Yeah. And he's Spider-Man, and then they kill him. <laughs> I know. And, yeah, and that was so good, too, how he was the perfect Spider-Man. And I, I could totally geek out about that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, we did a watch party about it, and it was it, it's my favorite movie ever made. It's like, it's I, wonderful, and I think it came at a really good time too, because you know it came out, showed that like, hey, you can do an animated feature film, bring it out in theaters. It doesn't have to just be for kids. It will make money, and it can be gorgeous. And then COVID ended up happening, you know, not too long after. And so I think now the studios are more confident in putting the money into animated features that aren't just you know uh, Disney and Pixar. So yeah, hopefully I think in a couple years here that we'll... wasn't like so extended universe stuff. Like it was like, I mean, what, I mean, just like the, the, the pure premise of it. It's like, here's a movie where we have Chris Pine. We're going to kill him. And she right. Moore is going to take over with Jake Johnson. Like, right. What? Yeah. And yeah, it's fucking incredible. And then they did the whole deep dive into, you know, the multiverse stuff, which is still, you know, in my mind, kind of a weird jump for general audiences because, you know, people that read comic books or whatever, it's it's been there the whole time. But it's still, I, I would feel like it's a weird idea still to with a lot of people where they're like, oh, so there's multiples of these Spider-Men and they're all different people, but they, they did it so well. Again, one of those things before it came out, I, I wasn't keen to it until after I saw it, but I feel like I would have been like, that's going to suck. It's going to be stupid. Why are they going to make it? Stupid. Don't make blah, 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 blah. And they're like, nope, it's it's a perfect piece of art. It's it just is wonderful. one of the greatest films I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've watched it at least once a month. And the soundtrack is so good. Yeah, my, my wife actually said it best. She's like, it's a really good, um, th- there's just such a, it just has such a good sound. Like the mo- the movie itself, the, just beside the soundtrack and the score, like it just does a lot auditorily like with the sound effects like yeah. I watch it so much at this point where I watch it with my eyes shut and just picture it because like it's just yeah like man for me that movie too I saw it in theaters I was like really into it but when they played Biggie when they played Hypnotize I fucking jumped out of my chair and I was like you know I, I have a lot of knowledge like huge into like that era of hip hop I was like not only is it like just a hip hop song in New York it's like it takes place in Brooklyn like and you know Biggie's Brooklyn I mean hip hop is an art form formed in fucking the Bronx. Like you can go there. So like, they're, they're onto something here. They're mm-hmm. so onto something different here. Can't oh wait to goodness. see the sequel. I know. It sounds like they're doing like a million of them. If they're smart, they will. Yeah. And those artists can stay at home and work, which is great. Yeah. Did you remember they did that? Uh, Olaf's frozen. They did like a Olaf Disney plus that one animator made at home. Like it is. Oh, I didn't know one. that. That's awesome. Yeah, it came out during COVID, and like, another reason the animation's great, and and why it's going to kick the shit out of live action if they don't get their act together, unless mm-hmm. they figure it out. Well, I think the Mandalorian I've read is like they're going to film season three in COVID because the way the Mandalorian is like, um, it's all they made it with like the volume, so it's like unintentionally COVID proof because everyone's already six feet and stuff, and right, your act, your main guy's wearing a mask anyway. Yeah, yeah, good point. 
Yeah, we just watched that first episode today. It was great. I've watched it three times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to do the same thing. That monster at, at the end was so cool. I didn't get into Star Wars until The Force Awakens. And I, I like those movies, but meh. Not not any offense to those movies. I, I like them because my wife is a huge Star Wars nerd. So I'll, I, The Mandalorian is the first time I've actually watched Star, anything Star Wars where like, I would watch this and have by myself. Like I'm now okay, so yeah. into it. It's really pulling me into the Star Wars world. Mm-hmm. Which is so much fun. I love... And Robot Chicken did that amazing Star Wars episode way back when. Yeah, I think they've done three Star Wars specials. Yeah. I was bummed I didn't get to work on any of them. That's... Well, now they... Oh, my God. You could pitch a, a Mando one. I don't know how you're... I, I'm sure that's coming. Yeah, and, you know, we're... We just finished the new special. I'm not sure if it's announced, so I don't know if I can say what it is this year. Um, but I did get to work on the Walking Dead uh, Robot Chicken special, and that was a lot of fun. Oh my god! But so what's what's the process of the robot chicken? Like, do they have to write it first and then bring it all to you? Like, and then you have to like say, no, we can't do this. Yes, we can do this. We we go off the animatic mostly. Um, so you know the the build team kind of has to wait for the animatic to come through, and then once we have an idea, like okay, this shot, you know, we're seeing this thing from this angle. It's about yay high, you know, and we can kind of make all the generalizations there. And with Robot Chicken, it's cool because a lot of times you're referencing, you know, uh, movies and music videos and shows and things like that. So we can usually go reference the stuff that we're going to build and then try to make sort of an approximation of that set. You know, it, it just has to get people to understand, okay, this is where we are. And then we can kind of move on from it. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of makes it a little easier in a sense. And it's fun for me because I, I just geek out about everything. So, you know, every set that comes down my way for a robot, I'm just like, Oh, I get to make this from this movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's for like the job you have, Sounds like there's not a lot of job security, and and you found like the one, like I I, did, I interviewed some years back, um, Mike Price, who writes for The Simpsons, and like same thing, like a TV writer, not a job that's so secure, and he like landed that he's been there for since like season fifteen or something like that. Oh, like yeah. he's been there forever, and he still works there, and he's gone off to do other things. That he's like he found like it's almost better than fame. It's like he found stability and security. Yeah, lucky duck. So like I interviewed some of the writers for Bob's Burgers, and they said that only, at least when I had interviewed them, uh, maybe like a year and a half ago at that time, like only one person had left the show. Huh. So like all those people are like, I'm gonna work here, and and will probably work there forever because I don't think that show's going anywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> not anytime they, soon. And they got the movie coming out, and I think they got picked up for another couple seasons. And now with everything happening with COVID, it's like I don't think they're ever gonna leave. Like those dudes are there forever. Yeah, absolutely. It's like. You kind of did like the dream, like you. You kind of did like, I'm gonna go into the void of finding like the unknown, and then you're like, Mom, Dad, I found stability. Yeah, absolutely. In one of the rarest industries. Yeah, it, it, you know, sometimes I think about it now, and I'm like, What was I thinking? You know, just doing the whole pack up the car and, and move across the country thing. But it, you know, it seems to have worked out. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty and, and crazy Robot at the time. Won, did Robot just got nominated for an Emmy this year? Well. Was it, was it this year? year or was it last? I think it was the last one. In, yeah, oh, you know what? Right. I wouldn't have known because I wasn't on Robot 10. I was on the one before it, Robot 9, Season 9. Oh, okay. And then I wasn't on 10 because that's when I was working on all the Hot Wheels City and Monster Truck Island stuff. And so now I'm back for 11. So, so that's so they they let you leave and come back like that. Yeah, it stuff is always kind of like, you know, different crews are going different places or like, you know, you, Oftentimes they can't get things started right when they want to get it started. So, you know, 
you you can't necessarily wait for them you know to be starting the new season so you go take another gig but then it's like oh i'm on this other gig now and you guys are starting up so i can't jump ship and be on that you know so it's always kind of shifting crews and things but that's great yeah so and then lastly you're also a drummer yeah what what how long have you been playing uh i started when i was like nine i think i guess that makes sense you like you're very handsy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, most everything I do is very like, yeah, hands oriented. Yeah, how um, that's crazy. What, what what band were you playing? I, I forgot to write down what you said the name of your band now. Love equals death is the band. Probably I'm not right touring now. right now. <laughs> no, we're not. Unfortunately, uh, we were supposed to be. Uh, so that was kind of one of the big, you know, first casualties of of COVID, which was kind of a bummer. So we were supposed to oh, go so to so. Germany for a little bit. What? Um, I know it's going to be a lot of fun. And then we were supposed to do Canada. Actually, I think I'm supposed to be in Canada like right now, um, uh, but unfortunately, oh my God, you were going to be gone for a long together. time. Yeah, well, that was actually going to be two different uh, mini tours, but uh, we do have an album coming out. Um, they had had an album come out. Uh, I, I'm actually not the original drummer for this band. Um, they put out an album in like 2009, I think, on Fat Records called Nightmerica. Uh, and then they had broken up shortly after that. And then the lead singer, Sean was putting it back together and I auditioned for them and got in and I've been with them for like two years now. Um, and we were just starting to get things going. Like we were opening for strung out and then, you know, COVID hit and it was kind of, kind of a bummer. (laughs) Are they still on fat? Uh, I would assume so. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I am my my friend who's been a, my, a buddy of mine who's been on the show a couple times. He directed the doc about uh, Fat Rock Records. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, it's so fucking good. I, I, Sean knocked it out. Of the, I, well, I, yeah, he's now. We weren't friends when I saw it, but now we. I'm happy to call him a friend. Um, yeah, he's a fucking red, a good, really nice guy. He's been on as a guest and co-host, and we just did a moderated a, a punk rock doc filmmakers uh, roundtable with him and some uh, other punk rock directors like. Dude, you got to play with Strung Out, though. I, I just want everyone to be like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Blows my mind. Like, just the fact that you're in a fat rec band is, like, enough. But, like, man, you, could, you have, like, your thumbs in everything. It's it's so stupid. <laughs> How do you balance it all? Are you just Do you have, like, pay someone to make a calendar for you? I wish. That sounds awesome. Um, no, I, I, I really just try to think, like whatever tomorrow needs that's the thing i'm going to focus on you know which yeah uh so it's just kind of just a matter of uh necessity really how are you able to tour why work are you like are you able to like just tour in between jobs yeah uh you know that's kind of one of the nice things about having the you know essentially a gig job is that i do if i wanted to you know because you're, you're unemployed quite a bit and if i end up getting unemployed you know a season ends or something like that and then a tour is coming up or shows are coming up i can stay unemployed for a little bit if i need to and then come back and try to get another gig how so, much of touring have you gotten to do not a whole lot uh honestly most of my music career has been in smaller bands like i i started playing in bands in denver and I just loved doing that and was in quite a few and then ended up kind of uh, getting in a couple accidents and I wasn't able to really to drum for a while. And that's kind of when I made the, the move out to Los Angeles. And then when I was in Los Angeles, I kind of kept trying to rehab myself and getting back to the point where I could play. Um, and then once I was confident enough and I felt like I could get behind a drum set and play for a band again, um, I started playing. But, you know, you kind of go from band to band a lot of the time, uh, especially kind of when you're doing session work for people. 
So for a couple of years, I was doing session work and just ended up not getting to tour. And then, yeah, when, when I got in with Love Equals Death, that was kind of my first, you know, taste of touring multiple states, multiple venues, things like that. What's session work like? It's cool. You meet a lot of really fun, smart, interesting people. And getting to play all the different music, you know, I, I, even though I love punk and I love, you know, playing fast and heavy when I'm on stage, getting to try out a whole bunch of different styles is just so much fun and really expands horizons. You must be familiar with The Wrecking Crew. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that yeah, documentary I that. was great. It was really good. So I'm, I'm obsessed with that. Like, that, like, so you're like a musician's musician because, like, you just play it. Seems like you're everything you do. You're just like I just like everything. I do whatever I can. That, that's actually what it is. I, I like everything. I I just really like stuff. <laughs> I, I I get criticized for that um, in, in my personal life. Not I'm uh, I'm not a public figure, but I get shit for that sometimes from people. I'm like I know, but it just makes life a little bit more fun when you just like stuff. Yeah, I I totally know what you mean. I I, I like liking stuff. And when I do like something, I tend to, you know, kind of go to 11 with it. Like I, mm-hmm. if, if it's, it's kind of hard for something to catch my eye, but once it does, I tend to kind of spiral in and become obsessed and like, yep. I must know all inner workings of this thing, you know? And yep. A hundred, like I watched Mandalorian three times and then I immediately, I have to go on YouTube and watch like Easter eggs making of, like, I always say part of my personality is like, I'm. I like documentaries about the making of the movie more than the movie themselves. I yeah. Clerks Two is one of my favorite movies ever made. I, it's one of my favorite movies, and I watch the making of Clerks Two even more than I watch Clerks Two. <laughs> like I, I would rather watch the making of. I don't know. I just I love that stuff so much. Totally. Like I just have to like 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 like. I was so so stoked to talk to you. I was like, oh my god. Like I, or like you know what? A good example of that movie. Um, uh, Twenty Feet from Stardom. Like, I'm like, everyone knows the Mick Chagger story, but I want to know the story of the background singer. I'm so much, so that's why I was so excited to talk to you. I was like, oh my God, like, I know, I know all the community and all these other people, but like, who are the people who make the stuff? Right. Like, it's so fascinating. If you haven't seen 20 Feet from Stardom, anyone's listening, it's about background singers. And um, it kind of focuses, I forgot the woman's name, but she ends up getting nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but she's most famously, I forget her name, but she does that, um, Rolling Stone song, you know, No Shelter, and the woman's like, Nyeh. yeah, that woman, and like, how they got fucked over by Phil Spector, but it's really interesting about, like, background singers, like, that literally you're 20 feet from stardom, you're 20 feet, and you're like, but like, I don't know, it, I'm so, that's such a fascination of mine, and maybe a dream, too, like, like, when we were talking about, like, when, like, my producing team, we all get together trying to figure out what this is, I was like, well, you know. There's only one Mark Maron and Joe Rogan, but like there's or well, no the example I always use music. I'm like, well, everyone knows the Beatles, but like the Beatles drum tech has got a job. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm kind of like that's what we're at. Like, let's get to the point where we can make this like a steady gig. Yeah, and if something really cool happens, I'm all for it. But like, I'd rather make this a comfortable living than like try to make it as like a, a star or whatever. Totally. Which I feel like we're in the same mind of that. We're like. You know, let's let's do the more and super fulfilling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've always kind of said like if because with music, it's weird. Like, you know, usually people don't make money with it. And then if you were to tell someone, oh, I'm successful in music, they tend to think like, oh, superstar, you know, mega millions, that kind of thing. And there's like almost no in between. But I mean, if I could make like 
you know, 50, 60 K a year, like just playing music. I would totally do that. That sounds like a great right? existence. Unfortunately too, for you drummers, cause all the technology, you're the ones who are getting wiped out first. Unfortunately, it, it is very much happening. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's just like, interesting. it's sucks. Yeah. It most really people does. really don't want the, uh, kind of the, I mean, I guess they like to have drummers on stage for live things, but most all the music you hear, you know, recorded nowadays, that's, that's not a real live drummer. No, they're expensive, and um, I'm a huge fan of um, going off track. And Benny Horowitz, who played in the Gaslight Anthem, always talk, like, just always going off about like not getting respect, and it's like uh, watching your job just disappear. And but obviously, thankfully, he's made a way for another a path out there for himself. But yeah, I know it's too bad. Like that that era of uh, of like session musicians, like that's kind of slowly going the way of the buffalo. Did you happen to watch Miss Maisel? Yeah. Did you, I love the scene where the when she's at the with the band. I guess that was based off the real woman from the Wrecking Crew. Oh, cool! I forgot her. The, the actress who played Paris on uh, Gilmore Girls. And like, oh my god, that show is like that. That's another show. Like, I had to watch and then I couldn't stop. I had to go. Like, how the fuck did you shoot this? Because like, I I like movies and TV. I love TV. I like movies, but like, if I'm noticing a visual style, it's not because I'm usually that much of a deeper knowledge than most people. It's more of like. This really stands out, but yeah. that's the show I like visually. Just oh my god! Yeah, the I, scene with um her and Lenny Bruce in Miami when they're dancing. I watched on YouTube the other night, uh, like uh, about a, it was. I taken up my edibles and those and just went on YouTube and watched that five or six times in a row. I, I still can't figure out how they did it, and like the music and he's singing in span or you think it's Spanish like. Oh yeah, they plan the heck out of those sequences. It's so much fun. Oh my god! Like, is that a show? Like, what do you watch? Like, what do you watch as a fan that you kind of can geek out of with your knowledge of? Gosh, uh, I I like a lot of it. I mean, I tend to, you know, veer towards like supernatural. Uh, I like horror quite a bit. You know, anything with monsters, I'm totally into. Um, yeah, you know. Uh, Gosh, I'm trying to think of a show because I do tend to watch more movies than shows, I think. Like with shows, I mean, my girlfriend and I are like obsessed with Great British Bake Off, you know, like my wife, too. <laughs> yeah, like we get into that pretty good. But then I also, oh, really? But here, I'm English. I'm half English. And I think that's why okay. John, John Oliver has a good bit about it. He's like, you don't understand. They're sniping each other. <laughs> and I was like, maybe that's why I don't like it. Maybe I don't see it the way everyone else does because I watch it differently. I'm like, I get very uncomfortable and very tense by it. Okay. It reminds me so much of like awkward moments on my dad's side of the house. Well, I love greatly. I love my family and my, my dad and my, and my grandparents. Wonderful relationship. But there's pieces of like when John Oliver made that joke, it was like, yeah, because my grandfather was from England. Like, he immigrated to here from England. So it's just like, yeah, that maybe that's why I don't get it. Yeah, it hits differently. <laughs> that's so funny. But that's nice. For, that's, that's how you two, uh, the two of you relax. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, and it's it's been nice to get back to the whole like one episode a week thing because I think we did get so used to being able to just like jam through a series. Yeah, I know. And then you also, your friend... I was watching that sketch you wrote too, by the way. It was fucking hilarious. So I, I was lurking you on Facebook, and but like, your all your friends are like Emmy winners, and like your friend Allison wrote for Be, uh, Bojack and stuff. I was like, God damn, man. Yeah. What don't you do? Uh, I don't know. I definitely don't do what Allison does. I mean, she yeah, she's just been killing it out here. That's been great. Uh, 
I haven't seen BoJack. I, I think I need to. I've been putting it off. I 100% recommend checking out BoJack. Um, it's it's Maybe now that it's over. Yeah, definitely. Now that it, it has a beginning and the end for sure. It's it's really something different. You know, it's I, as far as animated shows, you know, I don't think I've ever really seen anything quite like it. Um, and it was one of those where you could tell really early on. I remember the first season came out and it was kind of like, man, what's this interesting thing? And then they just decided to make these insane choices with the character early on, you know, and then uh, Allison, who I grew up with, she got in, I think, season four. Wait, um, you knew her from Colorado? Yeah, like we grew up across the street from each other. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's one thing for you to know someone that works on a show, but like, you know, given your work, living in L.A., that's like, oh, that's cool. But that's actually what a small world. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, we, we I call her my my twin from another mother. That is so. Oh, like well, I we, don't know you, Allison, but if you ever hear this, that is really sweet to hear. You're both wonderful. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so cool that you both grew up in Colorado and then you ended up in a different state together. That's a. I want a, I want a whole like um, non platonic rom com about you two's relationship now about this. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's always been. It used to be a lot tougher than it is nowadays. I think people are way more into the idea of like men and women just being really good friends. But like, yeah, we we've been friends literally since I was like an infant. So you know, since we knew each other like before puberty and all that, we've we've Aww. just been friends the whole time. And you know, yeah. I I stayed in Colorado for a bit and then was making some movies and because we had made some movies in high school. And then she went off to uh, ASU at first, and then she went to Chicago to you know do Second City and all of that. Um, and then I had come out to Los Angeles a little bit before her, and then she ended up coming back out. I think two or three years later and we still live within a couple blocks of each other that is like really sweet <laughs> like not not just like the emmys all that stuff it's just i don't know because like I, yeah i know that that's true because one of my, my best friend from high school Krista riley is like uh, we, people always thought we were dating I'm like no nah, I, I don't know it's just she's until my day one of my best friends and she comes from a family of seven and then like she's and like i mean uh, her sisters have become my friends so like that's now my crew but yeah for my whole high school experience is like you guys dating i'm like no, and not, I don't know why. We just, I don't know, we just connect on, uh, it's just, there's this, I don't know, we're just friends. And then when, like, I teamed up with my producer, the first person I went to was my uh, producer, Bree, and she reminds me so much of my relationship with Crystal. It's just, like, you're both beautiful people inside and out, but, like, there's some, just a deep friendship that I can't explain. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I'm glad people are not like, boy, is it? I mean, think of, like, how many movies there are from, like, the 80s and 90s about that. That's, like, every fucking Rob Reiner, Nora Ephron movie. Mm -hmm. That's, like, literally, that's the plot of When Harry Met Sally. Right. That's <laughs> As I'm saying this, yeah. like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. So we, we got to make a reverse, uh, you're, you're going to make a reverse animated uh, stop-mo reverse uh, When Harry Met Sally. That sounds like, great. Get to, the, right, get to the tension. I don't love you. I don't love you. Friends? <laughs> right. All right. Let's just be Let's friends. Let's go have happy lives together. And, right. And then maybe we partner up and the four of us rent a house one day in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds excellent. That's, that's what all movies should be, like the anti-rom-com, like, I just like you as a person. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Well, Let's the funny on. thing is, too, like, both of, both of us really like that movie. Like, we've even talked about that because there were really? so many moments growing up where, you know, you're watching a movie or people say the thing and you kind of have to, like, look at each other and be like, okay, these people think you know, this or, like, oh, the, yeah, another movie saying that, like, the moral of the story is that they need to realize they love each other. I was like, no, I, I just... I just like for having I just like having friends. <laughs> totally, and you know oh, our significant others like we're all best friends, you know. Yeah, so, that's usually what happens too. Like the yeah, like my wife's best friend, and then her husband, and I. Like, and then you become friends outside of that. Like the it's it, it's the best. Mm -hmm. um, I just like liking people as well. <laughs> totally, same here. <laughs> I know. 
And that always is jovial. I, I always get criticized for that. Like, you're always so excited in the podcast. I'm like, well, it's because I'm happy to talk to the person I'm talking to. Like, I actually enjoy talking to people. Like, that, I'm, I'm very, I feel fortunate that that's something that makes the darkest of days a little bit better. Like, even though I worked retail, I would be like, no matter what happens, someone nice will come in and will have a, will turn my mood around. Even no matter how shitty a day is, like, a nice customer can come in. Like, even when things get the lowest and, like, and, and also, too, I've been doing the podcast not long enough where I get a little more uh, say of who I'm talking to. So my excitement levels are even higher because, like, yeah, well, now I'm choosing. <laughs> <laughs> That's it awesome. Because for so many years, it's first you, like, begging people. And then there's, like, a switch. And then you can, like, do a mail and some people ask to come on versus you ask. And so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice thing when you get to, like, start to pick. You're like, okay. It's, like, how you value your time. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we hit everything, but do we miss anything? Oh my god, I haven't looked at the clock. It's been an hour and forty-five minutes. I'm oh my so gosh! Sorry. Yeah, I I don't know. There, I know there's so much, and it's 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 so all over the place. That's the worst and best thing about me, for sure. <laughs> no, I no, it's perfect. It, it's so perfect. I'm sure we'll we'll find, we'll do something like this again for sure. Whenever you get your next thing to promote, please put us on your list. Absolutely. Um, uh, if there's something else, where can uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, they can find uh, my personal accounts. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at John Andrew Myers. And everything associated with the Mere Mortals books are all at Mere Mortals Saga. Uh, the website is MereMortalsSaga.com using both of the S's. And uh, yeah, you know, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it at Barnes & Noble. They'll order it for you if you want. And uh, yeah, it's a big dark fantasy. And check it out if, you, if you're into those. Yeah, we uh, definitely that's definitely our audience crossover. People love that. Yeah, yeah. My my father in law is um in a sci fi writers group. So cool. I, I'm going to I'll just send him a copy. He's going to lose his mind. He lives <laughs> downstairs, but he's going to lose it. And we're actually in the same writers club. It's actually really sweet. Cool. <laughs> it's so wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. Why, hello there, podcast friend. I'm Ash Blodgett, co-host of the podcast Let's Rewatch. Together with my co-host and Red Opera D&D campaign writer Pat Edwards, we made a short film in quarantine called Joining Call. And it's finally coming out. The film is the story of a group of people trying to get together to play D&D via a video chat. But all the usual quarantine issues get in the way, such as kids. Daddy, is this Game of Thrones? Bobby, what are you doing? Daddy, no, come on, it's bedtime. Poor internet connections. Thou must cast ye techno devils from thine magic picture box. Couples at each other's throats. I want to blow some ogres up with a fireball. Why is your first instinct to always kill things? And more. Zoe, stop drinking! Oh, that reminds me! I haven't had the boss yet! The film basically takes a snapshot of what life is like right now through the lens of nerds. So join us on our quest November 20th over on my YouTube channel, Laughstash TV, for the film's premiere. You can get there by going to youtube.com slash Laughstash TV. And that's stash as in S-T-A-S-H. Till then, I'll just be over here practicing my nat 20s. Ooh, critical hit.